1: And deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place.
2: This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAFighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck.
3: What the heck?
2: Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck here on MMAFighting.com. I am Mike Heck. Hope you're having a great start to the week. It's going to be another very busy week in the combat sports world. Even busier than last week. Like, Remember last week? seems like a blur now but it was bananas we had one on tnt one on wednesday that whole craziness with the ending of the eddie alvarez fight adriana morais knocking out demetrius johnson elator was back at it on friday ryan bader defeated leota machida in the main event big win for kat Singano. big win for adam boric and much more the ufc was on abc on saturday marvin vittori defeated kevin holland in the main event Will that be enough to get him a title shot, that rematch with Israel Adesanya? Time will tell, but good win nonetheless. It's all about getting the W. Great wins for Arnold Allen. Submission victories for Julian Marquez and Mackenzie Dern. Daniel Rodriguez got back on track, beating Mike Perry. And the list goes on and on. It was a fun event. Now this week, we got one on TNT 2 on Wednesday. Christian Lee versus Timothy Nastyukin, the main event for the lightweight title. Bellator back at it again on Friday with Bellator 257 Vadim Nemkov versus Phil Davis for the light heavyweight title. The main event part of the Bellator 205 pound Grand Prix. Corey Anderson has his first round matchup on that card as well against the wild card of all wild cards in this whole thing. Dovletzhan Yagshimirov. Yagshimirov. I think they got it right. I just tried to pronounce it twice. I'm looking at the topology page right now because I'm trying to figure out <laughs> how to pronounce it, but I'm going with that. I feel I, I feel good about that pronunciation, but who knows what's going to happen with that gentleman against Corey Anderson. He could be the best 205-pounder in the world for all we know, but we're going to find out where he stands with Corey Anderson on Friday, and then on Saturday, is just going to be wild. We got UFC Vegas 24, Robert Whitaker versus Kelvin Gastelum. Big one at 185 pounds. That's the main event, and then... How can we forget the big boxing match? It is finally here. Ben Askren going over to the squared circle to face Jake Paul. And we will be there for that event with the coverage live in Atlanta, Georgia. The great Jed Mashu, our boots on the ground. So keep it locked here on MMAfighting.com. My son also turns eight years old on Saturday. So he's going to look back. We're going to look back in history on his eighth birthday and that's the day Ben Askren and Jake Paul had a boxing match. How about that? Of course, we saw what was going on earlier this week. Alex Kaley and I reacted to the whole ongoing drama between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor Donation Gate 2021. Will the fight happen July 10th? Will it not happen July 10th? Who knows with Conor? I believe it's still going to happen. But go check that out for our thoughts on that. We will reiterate that sentiment that we both believe the fight will happen. And you can find that wherever you're listening or watching this. But look, we got a lot to discuss this week. We can spend the next 45 minutes talking about news and notes. But let's get right into it and say hello to our first guest. But we're going to wrap things up with the aforementioned Julian Marquez. Huge win over Sam Alvey on Saturday. Submitted him in the second round. Put him to sleep with the rear naked choke. And he called out some big-name players. From the Kansas City Chiefs for some pickleball or for some badminton called up Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. We heard from Tyreek Hill as well. They're all in. We're going to check in with the Cuban Missile Crisis at the end of the show. Randy Costa, one of the exciting up and coming UFC weights. He wants a fight with Adrian Yanez. And this is the kind of rivalry that we can all get behind. You'll see what I mean when we get into the conversation. We dive into a bunch of things. Talk about Askren and Paul for a little bit. What happened with this fight with Trevin Jones and why he was forced to withdraw from that fight in March. Always enjoy chopping it up with the Zohan, the fellow New Englander, Randy Costa. I'll look for that a little bit later on. Stephen Thompson returns to the show to preview his fight with Gilbert Burns July 10th at UFC 64. And you know what? What's interesting is we had this conversation as the Twitter stuff with Poirier McGregor was really starting to bubble over because Wonderboy had no idea what was happening. I had to tell him what the deal was, what these two guys were were getting after it for, and uh, you get his reaction to that, but we also get his reaction on finally getting to fight in the blue corner against a higher-ranked fighter wanting to slap Jake Paul. Yes, the NMF champion said those words. More on that a little bit later. Always great talking to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, but even though we dropped this one... On Monday, a little earlier than the show, I felt from a personal level, it was important to lead off the program with this conversation this week because I spoke with Jimmy Flick on Monday morning. He made the shocking decision to retire from mixed martial arts from the UFC at the age of 30, earned his contract on the Contender Series after... And before he got to the contender series, became the LFA flyweight champion, got on the contender series, had a submission win there, looked phenomenal in that fight. Then he makes his UFC debut in December against Cody Durden. The fight got delayed a couple of weeks because Durden caught pink eye. So he had to cut weight a second time a couple of weeks later. And then one of the submissions of the year on the last UFC card of, two, of 2020, a wild year with the pandemic and everything, caught Cody Durden in a, in a flying triangle. He was getting set to fight Francisco Figueiredo on May 8th, and then he announced the decision to retire. So I feel it was important, especially for the podcast listeners who may not have seen or heard this conversation yet, to listen to it now, and I will warn you, it is a little longer than most of my interviews that that you've seen on this channel, but I have to say, completely worth your time. So I have a lot of respect for Jimmy Flick, I had a lot of respect for him anyways, but the respect I have for this man is is through the roof now, and you'll see why right now on What the Heck. All right, this has been a crazy week in the world of mixed martial arts. A lot has happened, but quite possibly... Nothing was more surprising than finding out that this man, Jimmy Flick, one of the most exciting up and comers in the UFC and at 125 pounds in general, announced his retirement over the weekend. So I'm happy to bring Jimmy on to talk all about this decision. Jimmy, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty
4: good, man. I'm uh, happy with my decision and uh, I'm happy to move forward with my life and uh, the new journey
2: that I'm trying to create for my family and myself. That's great. I got to tell you, I have so many questions for you, sir. But first off, Saturday night in Oklahoma, you get in the cage at Saturday's FCF event, the same organization where you captured their title a little over a year ago, and you made this surprising announcement. So can I just ask what it feels like less than 48 hours later? Like, do you feel a big weight lifted off your shoulders? Like, what is that like right now? Yes, a lot, man.
4: And if anybody would have known what, I went through over the last week on making this decision. It's life-changing. It's hard. Uh, It was tough. And I cried and cried and cried for many hours. And I went through the pros. I went through the cons. And there's a lot to it. And it's not something that I've done overnight. I didn't just wake up and say, hey, I don't want to fight no more. Um, Over the last month we've had a fight booked and we're supposed to fight the champ's brother this is the 125 pound champ of my division's little brother the biggest story and biggest opportunity i have to make bigger waves in the ufc and go on farther in my career and i go back to when i fight fought cody durden and i go back to 2020 where i gave it everything i got i had multiple goals Uh, If you listen to my speech, I had three goals and I reached those three goals. I wanted to create new goals, but the UFC is not in those new goals. And I tried to wake up every morning and tell myself that I wanted more goals in the UFC. And I kept pushing myself and I kept waking up. And every day I was at gym, I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be with my kids. I wanted to be with my wife. I... I was trying to find ways out of it and I was trying to, you know, figure out what I wanted to do in life. And when I fought Cody Durden and we had this pandemic going, my job gave me like five weeks off where I could train full time. I've never had that opportunity to train full time in my life. And so I got to be at home with my kids. I got to train. I got to come home. I got to train. I got to come home. And it's a lot harder than people think to do that nonstop. But knowing that after I'm done fighting, I still have to go back to work. In my speech, I said the UFC was not looking out for me. I need to justify what I mean by that. The UFC never did me wrong. I love everything the UFC did for me. I love the goals that I got to get to the UFC, the person that made me. But what I mean by that is there's no benefits of me beating my body up no more being in the UFC. We have no 401K. We have no benefits. We have no fallback. Fighters are too stupid to unionize, and it'll never happen because there's other fighters that will fight for that money. I love the money I got but this is just to go show everybody that money does not buy happiness. And I never fought for fame and I never fought for money. That's not why I fought. And I told people, I want to write a book and I've been writing this book and I've never had an ending to my book. And now I have an ending, but I also have to tell people what got me into mixed martial arts, what strived me to do this. Well, My dad and my brother had a lot to do with it. We got into this sport together. My dad gave me my work ethic. My dad put me in sports. My dad gave up a lot, but also I lived a very, very, very tough life. I went through life without water. I went through life without electric. I seen my dad beat my mom. I've seen my mom go through hell. I've seen my brothers and sisters Drag their life to the gutter from drugs. And that's what motivated me not to be one of them people being the youngest. And now that I've been losing time for my family and I find out what comes from fighting and what more is going to come into fighting and what more I have to do to be the best and probably still work a full-time job. And people don't understand that. And when I do that, it's taken away from my family. It's taken away from my girls. I put my girls in the gym with me. Why they have to be there Why I have more time to train. They don't want to be there all the time. I got them there for five, six hours of a time after I've been at work all day. They haven't even seen me. And then I'm going to take them to the gym and have them play in the gym Why I train more. And I just keep missing time from them. And... And I got a long story to tell, and that's why I'm going to write my book. More people will understand what happened with my father, my brother, my life, my journey. And I want to be a family man, and I'm okay with going to work, settling down with a $40,000 job a year, and seeing where life takes me and my family, and build a road a road for my girls, and see what they want to do in life. And... <laughs> Social media just, I guess, does not understand it, dude. These people out here are savages, man. I tell you, (laughs) the stuff I'm reading, dude, is just like, it's crazy, man. And, like, it's like the farther I get, the worse that's going to get, you know. And people don't care about me, my feelings, what I've been going through. But I do, and my wife does, and she knows. And I've lost the want to fight. I've lost the urge to wake up every morning and train and – that's the story and you know I didn't get to tell it all and there's even more to the story and that's why I'm writing a book and I'm hoping everything that I accomplished in MMA and in the UFC will help my further my book and people want to know my story and I want to go talk to kids and tell them my story and mentor kids and Yesterday that was the first step. Yesterday I went to a football camp and I told these kids about my story. I told them about my goals and having new goals and it's okay to accomplish your goals and move on to new goals. And that's what I'm doing in life. And now I want to get my story out there and let people know. And it's just, you know, money does not buy happiness.
2: There's a lot to unpack with what you just said. And I know when we last spoke, you talked about your loss to Ray Rodriguez in 2019, and you were thinking about retirement even then, because, you know, you had your job 401k, you and your wife were, were were smart with your money and you said you were doing pretty well without fighting. So I know this last week, it's really started to take shape this decision, but how long has this been on your mind? Like, is this something that you've been sort of weighing with, since then like even when you got back and made that run to the ufc
4: i've always thought about it i've always thought about how long my journey was gonna go and like i said my goal was to make that ufc walk that was one of my main goals and i did it and i did it in good fashion but like i said you go back to the dirt and fight and a lot of people don't understand what fighting too if you don't fight you don't get paid you know Like, so we can do this stuff for months in and then get there. And everything that we did to get there gets put on hold. So 15 minutes after they tell me, me and Cody ain't not fighting because of pink eye. My first thoughts, like, am I getting paid? I made weight, you know, I should at least get my show money, you know. And they tell me, yeah, you're getting your show money, you know, but you still got to pay your manager. You still lost all this stuff, you know? And then they're like, oh, well, you can fight him in two weeks. Well, what about your health, Jimmy? How much weight did you put back on after that fight? You know, can you do it? Is it mentally going to drain you? Like, what's it going to do to your family? Nobody asked those questions. Nobody ever does. I literally had about an hour to decide what I wanted to do. I felt like i that's all I had, you know? And so I had to make calls to my wife. I had to make calls to my manager, my coach. And immediately I decided I wanted that fight. I wanted that win. I wanted to make that walk. So what did I do? I told my coach, I said, you wrap my hands up right now. And we're going next door and we're working out. That's what I was supposed to do tonight. I was supposed to fight. So we're going to go over here and we're going to work out. And we go over there and we work out. I don't eat pizza. I don't drink beer. I don't go out that night. I go over there. I go to sleep. I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I can't sleep. I get up. I go run four miles. I tell myself mentally, he's not stronger than me. He's not going to want this more than me. So we're going to fight at 125 again. I'm going to make this cut. I'm going to be mentally tougher than him. And I'm going to win my UFC debut. And that's what I did. That Sunday when I got home, we weighed in on Friday. That Sunday when I got home, I had one good meal with my family. I was 148 pounds. That's 22 pounds in over 48 hours. I put on after weigh-ins. And I had 12 days to turn around and cut it again. Monday morning, I was back at the gym. 5 a.m. training. Back to work. You know, then my job told me, you know, focus on the fight. We'll let you off two more weeks. My job let me have that opportunity. My job opened up the door for me to reach my dream. And it was to make that walk. And I sacrificed so much. And my girls went through it. You know, they're like, you're back. You know, when daddy comes back from fights, what do we do? Daddy takes them shopping, daddy spends time with them. But no, daddy had to turn back around. And kill it for two more weeks before Christmas. And, but I, 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 daddy won $80,000, you know? That's life changing, you know? People's like, you took that much money home. Baby, that's not how much money daddy took home, you know? That's how much daddy got paid. You pay taxes, you pay your manager, all the time lost, everything, you know? You don't bring much in, you know? but you you keep striving for more and you keep striving for more but i keep losing more time with my family i keep losing more time with my wife in 5 years if i reach that ufc gold do i have what i want more than life do i have my girls do i have my wife she sacrificed 10 years already today today we've been married 9 years not one time has she told me to hang up the gloves. Not one time has she told me she wants me to live a different life. And she has goals. Does anybody care about her goals? I do. But nobody else does, you know. And I'm not going to lose my wife. I'm not going to lose my kids over something that I might reach, something that might make me more money. I'm okay with going to work, having something established. Like I said, I I have land, I have a house. Me and my wife want to build a house on that land. My wife wants to work. She wants to provide for her family as well. With me working a job and training constantly, it's all me. It's all been me. So over the time ever since that fight, I told him I wanted to take time off. I wanted to spend time with my family. How long do you think it took for them to offer me a fight again? (laughs) Not long. You know, and then here I am trying to debate what I want to do. When am I going to fight? And then I got a fight booked. So I took it. I like the May 8th. I I like the champ's brother. I think I'm excited. I wasn't excited. I tried to push myself. I tried to justify why I was doing what I was doing. Over Easter weekend, I had a conversation with my father. I haven't talked to my father very much. And that conversation made a big difference on me in life. I thought my dad was going to change his life to come be in my corner in the UFC, to be there. Like I told people on the Tuesday night contender, that's just a little bit of my story. And I thought that would change my dad's life. I thought it would change my brother's life. I thought not let them know, you know, I still want y'all there. I want y'all in my life. I, I believe in y'all. I love y'all. Like, we did this together, and it didn't make a difference. So I found out I was fighting for all the wrong reasons. I was still fighting to try to get my dad back, to get my brother back, to have my family there again, for my girls to see my dad, to see my brother. And it didn't matter, man. It didn't matter. I announced my retirement, and I called my dad and my mom to tell them before. I still haven't heard from my dad. He's never asked me anything. And I'm not fighting for him no more. I'm fighting for my kids. I'm fighting for my wife. And I'm not going to lose them. And they're way more than what fighting has ever meant to me. And that's why I'm going to tell my story, and people need to know what goes on in fighters' lives. And the outcome of what my future is is what I care about with my family, my loved ones, and everybody. And I just hope everybody supports me. And like I said, social media is crazy, and people say – like, my weekend with the stuff I got, the messages I've been getting, most of them are supportive. But the stuff people say, that's why I got to get my story out, you know. People don't know what us fighters go through. I've been doing this since I was 18. I've been cutting weights. The... Sorry. It's okay. Okay. I've been cutting weight since the second grade. And uh, I, I just, you know, I woke up. God darn it. Sorry, <laughs> right, man and it, it, it's just it's been life-changing and you know, winning the way i won and everything and now it's just i figured out you know i was fighting for all the wrong reasons and now i'm excited to tell my story and hopefully i'll help somebody in the future with telling my story
2: so if you didn't have that conversation with your dad do you think we'd be talking about this right now
4: I can't say a hundred percent, but it, it, it would be it would have been a big difference because, like I said, the Monday morning I woke up from Easter, it was life changing. I I I had something on my heart that I had to get out. I I and I called my wife, and my wife, she was in tears just hearing me speak about it. And she's just like, where's this coming from? And, and I I had been dropping hints over the past couple months that I just felt like I wasn't striving like I used to, you know, like I had started to lose the want, but my wife as always kept pushing me, motivating me, tell me no you know it's just a little slump right now you're always going to push through it you always do this we're just so far out from f- fight camp right now you know you're pushing yourself so hard you're so excited you you want you you want to beat the champ's brother you know and then after having that conversation with my dad and seeing my dad and nothing's made a difference I, I found out, yeah, I, I was fighting for all the wrong reasons. I think if my dad would have reached out more and had been there, it would have been great. After I won my Cody Durden fight, my dad didn't call me. He I seen him at Christmas, and then he talked. They wanted to know more about how much money I won and what I was going to do with it, you know? And my family's going to hate me more and more and more. When I tell my story, and it's like, it makes me the bad guy. But I'm just telling the truth. But it also made me the person I am today. Makes me the husband I am to my wife, the father I am to my kids. And that makes me happier than anything. And I got to get my story out. It's a sad story but it justifies my life. It justifies my decisions. And I know more people probably go through more than what I go through and have and conquer more things. But some people, they need to hear stories like this to help them conquer their goals. And I've conquered my goals and I'm going to conquer more goals. It's just not with MMA no more.
2: What would you say is like the more freeing feeling right now? Is it the fact that you have, you've crossed over, you've made that decision to retire, or is it, and as painful as this might be, and I can I see it in your eyes and, and, and hear it in your voice as you talk about it, knowing where you stand with your dad, being able to kind of let that go, like what's the more, I guess, freeing feeling right now?
4: Just getting it out there, that's what makes me so free, you know, is to tell everybody I've been bottling it up and bottling it up and using that, you know, to motivate me to push. And I don't know what I've done to my body. You know, nobody knows what we do to the insides from the mental toughness, to the training, to the weight cutting, to everything. And I I just feel free. Uh, I was so happy to just wake up this morning you know, at 6.30 a.m., you know, instead of 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. To have a cup of coffee, to grab breakfast, my my four-year-old woke up. Daddy got her some milk. Daddy got her cartoons on. It was great. And then I got to go to work, you know, hear from my wife telling me happy anniversary and just being able to post and... Post about my life and my family instead of having to post about sponsors and, you know, and training and being at the gym and running five miles and just all of it. And it's going to take a lot to really take everything in and for everybody to understand everything as well. But my family knows what's best for me. I know what's best for me. And I don't know what's going to come from this with me and my dad. And that's, that's what sucks the most, but I I can't do it no more. I can't keep it bottled up. I can't keep it dug down there anymore. It's going to hurt me in the long run more. And I think that's what would have happened if I would have kept trying to push myself to fight when I didn't want to fight no more. I mean, Francisco's no joke. I knew he wasn't. And I, I'm devastated that I'm pulling out on him. And but the UFC is going to take care of the guy. He's going to get a fight. I would rather do it now than 2 weeks out from the fight, you know, hurt myself from cutting weight cuz I'm not going to make weight and I'm not motivated to train or for something to just not be there no more and then give up a week or 2 out from the fight. So I've got backlash for that. I've got backlash for a lot of things, man. But uh, this isn't retirement to try to get more money. This isn't retirement to go do some other kind of fighting or anything. I might do jujitsu in the future again. I love jujitsu and that's what got me into this. But this is just not what I want in life and some people can just not understand it. And the want and the goals The want's not there. The goals have been accomplished, and I I just, you know, that's not what I want in life no more.
2: How did the UFC react to this information and your decision to call it a career?
4: I only know what the matchmaker said, Mick Maynard, and from my understanding, he's a supporter. He understands what I'm going through. Um, I'm pretty sure they have other fighters go through this mentally, Um, and that's what a lot of people think this is, is like I'm going through something mentally or I'm scared to fight or or whatever they want to say. Look, I I got 20-something pro fights. I I fight UFC vet and bare-knuckled world champ fucking Johnny Bedford, you know? (laughs) a five-to-one underdog and was supposed to get murdered. I've been finished by Chris Guerrero's with leg kicks. I got knocked out ugly by Ray Rodriguez with an elbow and woke up and flipped off the camera, you know, because I didn't know where I was at, you know? Like, that's not it, dude. I'm 16 and 5, and it's killed or be killed. I only have three fights that went to a decision. Like, if the want is not there no more... I'm not going to do that to my family. I'm not going to do that to my coaches, my training partners, everybody that sacrifices everything to help me keep going forward. It's just, it's not there no more. And it was a hard way to find out, but I'm happy with that. I'm happy where I'm going to go in life. I'm happy where it got me. And I'm just happy to spend time with my family and let people know the truth. And And if you're a fighter and that's not your want to no more, then don't do it. You know, we don't have to put ourselves through this no more. And nine times out of ten, yes, fighters are going to have to get a job after. If not, they open a gym. Well, I like coaching people, but a lot of stuff comes from gym mentally, physically, same thing with families. I've seen it. I've been at multiple gyms and, you know, if that's not your desire, you don't want to do that either just to make money. You know, uh, I got a great job. Uh, a lot of people told me I was going to make it in life because I dropped out of school. <laughs> Did I not only make it in life, I got a job that pays for me and my family. I got land. I got a house. And then I made my dreams, I made my goals. I, I reached what I wanted to, and I stopped on my terms. Nobody else's terms. These fighters go out at the wrong time. We got Chris Levin going to bare knuckle. We got Chuck Liddell that went back and fought Tito for a third time. That should have never happened. He should have never even lost that fight in his career, but it's obviously because of money. They didn't make the right investments. You know, They didn't do the right stuff and you got anderson silva 11 15 time whatever time world champ that like he's not even on like got a fallback so he's going to boxing to try to make one more run at a couple million dollars you know like who's to say where i'm gonna be just a 125 fiber that you know we we don't get paid the best money you know like we've been more exciting here lately but it doesn't change the paychecks, you know, unless you get that bonus and I can't guarantee that bonus every time. And then, you know, Mr. Sam takes half of that bonus away from me. You know, like, it, it it's crazy, man. There's a lot to it. It's been going on for a long time and it comes down really to what I've lost with my family and what I've gained with my family and what I want to gain with my family before
2: it's too late. Are you out of the USADA testing pool yet? Have, have you taken that step yet?
4: I I got to ask them if I can pull out like, because the, like, the way they do it, it's like every three months you sign up. And uh, I don't know if you can go in and exit out because I've already put all my stuff in there for like the next three months. But I will not be – doing the other month and I'll look into it. Yeah, as soon as I can get out of it, I'll be out of it. And that's another thing too. So Monday, when I was really going over my decision and everything, I call my coach and I'm like, look, I'm not coming to the gym today. I'm really gonna, you know, set on this for a couple of days and find out what I want to do. You know, if I take a few days off from gym, talk with my wife, my family, and everybody, I want to see what I want to do. And Two hours later, I get a call, UFC, or USADA's, at my gym. You got a drug test, Jimmy. Okay, I'm on my way. So go over there and do my drug test. And it's just like, man, this this is not what I want out of life, man. I I, I mean, the drug test not a problem. I'm clean. I've been drug tested like 10 times from the UFC already, you know? And... Uh, that's not an issue, but just all the stuff that comes with it. Like you said, the UFC whereabouts. Everybody's like, how do the UFC know you're here? Like, UFC knows where I'm at, at almost all times, y'all. Almost at all times, you know. I did a live auction for a family member, friend of mine that uh you know, got in a motorcycle accident back on January 30th. Uh, I did this fundraiser, and uh, I was an auctioneer, and I, I was the one auctioning stuff off and doing this auction. And my phone kept blowing up during this auction. And I told the people on the mic, I was like, man, my phone keeps ringing. And they're like, it's probably your car warranty, you know? <laughs> Everybody gets those car warranty calls. <laughs> so as a joke, I answered it, you know? And I had, I picked it up and I'm like, hello? And it's on the mic and you can hear, this is blah, blah, blah from Yasada. We're at your house. You're not here, Jimmy. I'm like, oh, I'm right down the street, down here doing this auction, come down here. So they come in, and so then I tell everybody on the mic, I got a hundred people here at this auction. We're doing live, and said, all right, UFC's on their way, and they're gonna drug test me. So, so I'm gonna start drinking a lot of water right now. I said I have to fill out this paperwork. Uh, I'll get my drug test, and we'll go back and to- back and forth between this auction. And everybody was cool with it. You know, it was a cool experience. Everybody got to see it. But literally, during uh, a fundraiser that I'm doing for somebody that was going through something, I got Yasada showing up and drug testing me, man. And they said, You can't make this stuff up, man. And it's like, I mean, if you really want that for your life, great. You know, a lot of people are going to take it. They're going to run with it. They're going to enjoy it. And I just found out it, it's not for me. It's not for my family. And there's more to the story. And like I said, I've gave y'all some of it and in the book, it's going to have way more people will understand it. And I'm also going to do an audio book. So when I do my audio and I read my book, y'all are going to hear the passion, the pain of everything. And it goes all the way back from when I was six years old and I noticed that I wasn't going to live a normal life as six years old. There's something happened in my life. And when that happened, I knew I was not going to be a normal kid. And ever since then I told myself though, I was going to accomplish something in life. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it would be. I just knew I was athletic. I loved sports and I wasn't going to be a nobody and I've accomplished that. And then now I wanna tell my story.
2: One thing that has sort of stemmed from all of this, and you mentioned it earlier, and I've seen a lot of the reactions to your retirement, was the unionization talk. Like, you know, what would have happened if, if we unionized and, and did all these things? So I'm curious to know, like, it doesn't seem like it's happening anytime soon. A few years back, there were conversations, there were different groups that were trying to make it happen. If we were anywhere close to a union like, or or some sort of association where the fighters could come together, like, if we were even sniffing a finish line in that in any way, would that have changed your approach to whether or not you were going to retire or not?
4: A hundred percent, man. If we have a fallback, and that's what people don't understand, we don't have a fallback. So therefore, I got to chase my dreams, but also keep my job to have a fallback for my family. Um, But that is not why I made my decision on what I did. And that's why I wanted to make it clear that the UFC never did me wrong. And that's what people were saying too. Oh, Dana stiffed him. Dana did that. No, they did everything that they said they were going to do in their contract. Everything that I agreed to. There was nothing that I wanted more or anything it's just the fact that once I got there, I experienced it and I realized that it's only gonna take more from me and I'm still gonna have to keep my job to take care of my family and my loved ones. And as the person I am and what I strive for, I'm only gonna train harder. I'm only gonna wanna do stuff more and more and more and more to accomplish more. And I wanna put that towards my family and my kids and my wife i mean how many times have i told you all that my wife was opening up a business and we were working on that still there guys why do you think because of me because uh the fights keep coming they're never gonna stop they're never gonna let you do you can't just go enjoy life sometimes and be like hey man can i take a year off You know, because I'm going to work anyway. I mean, you know, that's what I do. And no, that's not how it works. And it took a lot. And like I said, I had good days. I had bad days. And I thought I was finding ways to motivate myself. But when I had that talk with my dad and I found out that I was fighting for all the wrong reasons and I need to fight for my girls and fight for my family and what they want to do in life. And that's what I'm going to do
2: couple more things, and I appreciate you giving me so much time. It sounds to me like you are completely content with this decision, but I have to ask because we've seen MMA retirements in the past. Most of them do not stick. So I'll, pr- I'll approach it this way. Is there anything that will get you back? Like, let's just say, like, you and your dad work things out. He gets his stuff together. You guys get closer. We have a union down the line. Like, will anything bring you back or are you done, done? Like, have we seen your final fight a hundred percent?
4: I believe so. I, I'm 30 years old and I did everything I wanted. And the desire was not the money. It was not the fame. And by the time they do unionize or by the time me and my dad work things out, I think it'll be too far down the road. I'm not the type that wants to come out of retirement. I already got the somebody from bare knuckle. Like, is that your interest? Or you, you want to do bare knuckle? I'm like, no, I don't want to do bare knuckle. Like, are you freaking stupid? Like, like no. Like, that's not why I got out of it. And like, I, if I want to fight, I would fight in the UFC. You know, that's the biggest stage in the world. It's the stage everybody wants to get to and be. And like, when you get there. Getting there's not always the problem, it's staying there. Well, for me, getting there was the problem. It took me 12 years, you know? Uh, Well, 10 years as a professional, uh, but I started the journey 12 years ago in 2008 training, 2009 when I started fighting, so as an amateur. (laughs) So I spent a lot of time and everything into this sport and gave it everything I got. Now that I got there, I figured out what it was And what it's going to be and what else it's going to take. And that's not what I want. You know, if I didn't have two kids already and a wife, yeah, of course, it'd be a lot easier, you know, but that stuff comes, you know, it happens. But that's also that's what motivated me to keep pushing. If I wouldn't have had wife and kids, would I still have made it? I don't know. I mean, I was partying like crazy when I first started fighting, too, you know. And you're 3-0, and 0 and you think you're on top of the world as a professional MMA fighter, you know. There's, there's a lot that comes with it, you know. And then I've tried opening up a gym uh, early in my career, figured out I didn't want to do that, you know. Got back to fighting. I've been working. Now I have a job that supports me, that I love. I, I, I'm i happy to come in and work 8 to 430, <laughs> without training so hard, you know, people, (laughs) like, I've been doing it for so long, you don't have to cut weight, oh, I can go to quit trip at break, and go grab me something to eat, oh, snap, you know, like, there's just so many things to it, man, and, but family was the most important, and what I went through with my family growing up, and where I'm at now with my family, and I really only talked to one of my sisters, two of my brothers, we don't talk at all, one of my brothers, Is just without throwing them under the bus. And it's just like um, I lived a different life than than most families and most people. And, you know, and I know what I want in life. And I want my kids. I want my wife. And I want them to be happy with me. And I'm happy now. And I'm happy to get my story out and happy to let people know and uh, see, see where life takes me.
2: Sounds like the book is gonna be uh, be quite the read, quite the listen once that uh, comes out, hopefully that comes out sooner rather than later. People purchase it and and, and get it ready to go. But um, last thing for me, what do you want to say to your supporters, your wife, your daughters, the fans that have been on your side, your coaches, teammates, fellow fighters, to those who have been along this ride with you from the very beginning? And I know that it's kind of like a, a roller coaster ride. Some stay on. Some decide to jump off. What do you want to say to everybody who's who's been there since day one for you?
4: And I just, I, I really, I can't say how much I thank and I love everybody. And like I tell people all the time about this, you know, like you see people and they're like, oh, that guy's wearing a tap out shirt. He, he's probably never fought. Well, guess what? If that guy doesn't support fighting and that guy doesn't buy a tapout shirt or buy our fight shirts or buy tickets to watches or buy these pay-per-views, Fighters don't make no money. Fighters can't fight, you know. So we need those people. We need those fans. Everybody that shares my stuff, they're like, well, Jimmy, I can't make the fight. I can't afford a shirt. Well, you keep hitting that share button. You know, I really appreciate that. You might share it to somebody that can buy that shirt. Somebody else that might not see it that can buy that shirt or want to sponsor me. I started with one sponsor as a professional fighter. I had one. I'm ending with over 30, 30 sponsors. And you know how many of them paid me before this fight? Multiple. I call them, every one of them individually. And I had to tell them, I feel obligated that I still owe y'all. I'm not fighting. I'm not, I'm not a tell. I'm not doing what I told y'all I was going to do. I was going to go fight. I can't advertise them in the UFC, I can only advertise them on social media. I can only thank them on social media. You can only thank them in certain interviews, you know, and they're giving up their money, their time and everything. So I call all of them and I tell them and I tell them what's going on. Personally, let them know what's happening in my life and I will give their sponsorship money back. Not one, not one asked for it back. Not one cared. Every one of them just wants me to be happy and they love my story. They want my book. They wanna read it. They wanna hear my story. They wanna keep supporting me. They wanna support my wife with my wife's goals, you know? And it just makes me so happy and it's heartwarming and it helps cover up all these negative comments. And everybody, like I have a buddy that told me, you know, you need to just delete your social media. I'm not gonna delete my social media. I'm not running from nothing, you know? I'm not scared of nothing. I'm being honest with people, I mean, and that's a lot of people's problems, they're not honest. I mean, later on after this, I got big interviews. After interviewing with you, I got an interview with Elliot Marshall, a guy I looked up to and watched fight in the UFC, you know? He wants to know my story, he wants to know why. I'm interviewing with this guy named Luke Thomas from CBS Sports, CBS Sports and Showtime. They wanna know my story. Maybe I can turn my story into a Netflix series. Maybe I can turn my life into something besides fighting. And I'm happy with that, I'm okay with that. But I would have never got there without the fans, the supporters, my wife, my coaches, my training partners, everyone in this sport. And if you see my speech, I made it behold that sponsors really help us. And I wanted people to know, like, if you sponsor a fighter, you are amazing. And you help us reach goals that we would never be able to reach without y'all. Same thing with fans and anybody that just shares a post, likes a post. And it's just all the support combined is awesome. It's amazing. And it would have never made me the person that I am or helped me reach the goals that I reached without all that, and that's what people need to realize. Without fans, the fans that hate on you, the fans that love you, as long as they're there, commenting, paying money, watching, that's all that matters. And that's what—that's all the UFC cares about too. You know, like getting fans to watch, and that's why Conor McGregor became the best in the world. And I said in my interview, I don't want to be the next Conor McGregor. I don't want to be the next Demetrius Johnson. People like, who's to say you were going to be the next Conor McGregor, the next <laughs> to me, He's done. That's not what I'm saying. Those are other people's goals, y'all. Like, I mean, if that was my goal, then what would have stopped me from trying to become that? But that wasn't my goals. That's what I was trying to explain to people. And, that, like, no, I don't know if I would have. But if I would have became that, that's not what I wanted for my family is what I was saying, you know. So... Hey, I just want to say thank you to all the fans, the supporters, guys like you that interview us, that want to know the story, that, you know, get the truth out there because too many people want to jump to st- stipulations and all kinds of stuff and And the truth, it just needs to be told. And if it wasn't for people like you and people that do these interviews, it wouldn't be possible. And I just thank everybody for the support, the continued support. And please just look out for my book. I really want to get it out by the end of the year. And I will be dropping quotes from my book about life. And like I said, one of my quotes is at six years old is when I realized that I was gonna live a different life than most people. And the rest of that story will be in my book for understand what I seen when I was six years old
0: that changed my life. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds booths, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down.
1: And deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. With threats to
0: our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
2: Powerful stuff right there from Jimmy Flick. I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest, it wasn't easy to, to hide my emotion in that conversation. It will go down as one of the more memorable interviews of my entire career, no matter how long I do this for, how many fighters I interview. That one will be with me for a long, long time, and I appreciate him giving me the first interview since making that announcement, and we wish him nothing but the best, no doubt about that. As we move ahead to a man looking to get back to a welterweight title shot in the UFC, that next step to be taken will go down July 10th at UFC 264. He takes on Gilbert Doreno Burns, and the NMF has some words for Jake Paul as well. Let us welcome back. Stephen Thompson. All right, we move ahead to our next guest who got some good news recently. Not only is he back in action, but he'll also be back in the blue corner for a change. Takes on Gilbert Burns and a big one at UFC 264 on July 10th. Happy to welcome back the NMF champ, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. How are you, sir? Feeling good,
3: my brother, and excited. As you can tell, man, I'm I'm excited to step back out there in the octagon and uh, you know put on a show for you guys once again against a top opponent this time let's go
2: there you go thank you for being here as always first off with so much craziness going on in this division since we last spoke in January i know you wanted to fight with kamaru usman of course he'll be fighting jorge mazadal for the second time in less than 2 weeks but i assume you're quite happy with the way things turned out for you steven getting to take on the number 2 guy in the division the last guy to fight for the belt this is this is a good consolation prize is it not
3: I agree. I agree. Yeah, it, it really is, man. It's, it's just another movement forward for me. And I've kind of been staying in the same spot for the past year, year and a half, you know, um, so this jump up fighting the number two guy. It's it's a it's definitely a plus for me. Um, so I'm excited for that. You know, I feel like a, a good performance over Gilbert Burns will put me back in that, uh, you know, next in line for that title shot.
2: Yeah, it's interesting you say that because you're in this interesting position because for like the last year or so, you were hoping things in other fights would play out in a certain way, right? Like like before the first fight between Usman and Mazdal, you were clearly on Team Mazdal because he said your name is a potential first opponent had he won the title. And it sort of came down to like moving parts having to fit into the puzzle perfectly. And while you're not on the like the a complete clear path to the title, it's a lot clearer than it's been for a while. You're in a position where... You're the biggest piece of the puzzle. You could pretty much control your own destiny. So if you go out there and you blow the doors off on July 10th, you could get a title shot no matter what happens on April 24th. Like, how does it feel kind of being in the position to control your own destiny again? It's been a bit.
3: Yeah, man, it's been a while, man. And it does feel great. You know, um, like I said before, the good win over him, you know, puts me in that spotlight again. On um, one of the biggest cards of the year, the Conor McGregor card versus Dustin Poirier. Not really sure where I'm going to be at on the card. Uh, maybe co-main event. We'll we'll see who else will be on it, but it's just uh, a prime time for me to really put on a good show and against an amazing fighter such as Gilbert Burns and uh, another NMF man, another nice guy. But I think he's just a very well-rounded fighter, and I think that's a good. It's a good. It's good for me to face off against somebody uh, such as him, just because you know it it prepares me for what's next.
2: I don't know if you've been on so so. Just a, a little peek behind the curtain, ladies and gentlemen. It is Monday at noontime Eastern. So have you have you been on Twitter at all today, Stephen? Have you seen what's going on with Connor and Dustin and all this craziness? No,
3: I have not seen anything yet. I mean, uh, I haven't been on today, and I'm, I'm really not a social media you know fanatic, but uh, what's up? what's what's going on?
2: So apparently, so basically it started late last night where Dustin Poirier kind of took a shot at Conor McGregor for not coming through with his donation to the Good Fight Foundation. And it's turned into oh. tweets from his manager and Conor has responded. And what he said was, uh, you're ripped. Call him a hillbilly. And then he said... Uh, the fight is off. By the way, I'm gonna fight someone else in the tenth. Good luck on your old contract, kid. So it looks like Connor. I don't know what's happening. This is classic what? Connor. But now he's saying the fight's off.
3: Okay. For one, he did say <laughs> he would donate his purse to Dustin Poirier, right? Uh, donation, or donate it to his, uh, his, um, uh, you know, to his cause, Dustin's cause. I think he's got his own. Um, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, uh, what, what, what?
2: What so basically, basically what he's saying is that like Connor agreed to do it. Yeah. Now he's like, he, apparently like the, the Connor's team has like ghosted him in getting it. And Connor saying like, dude, we like, I said, I would do it. We're doing our due diligence. This isn't a debt. This is a donation. We're going to do it. Yeah. Like we, we said we were, we're going to do it. And now you're saying not. So now that he's like calling Connor's character into question, Connor oh. is, is not thrilled about it.
3: Wow, I didn't see, did this all this happen today or was it yesterday?
2: This is within the last hour that this wow. Conor stops happening.
3: So Connor's saying he's gonna be face-love against somebody somebody else next, huh? I wonder who that would be.
2: I <laughs> know, what is happening right now? Like Nate's fighting know. Leon, do they, do they,
3: you think so? I think he's blowing smoke. I think Conor's blowing smoke. I think he's gonna be fighting on the 10th. He's just maybe trying to worry Dustin
2: Poirier a little bit, I believe. Yeah, we know with Connor by the time this interview drops like the whole thing may have changed <laughs> but just yeah, a, yeah. there we go. This is what's happening at 1205 p.m. Eastern wow. Standard Time on Monday afternoon but that's what's going on now. We'll see what happens there. I'm sure we're going to react to it later but let's kind of go back to you because you know one guy you had been calling out for a while your first like true public call was Leon Edwards and he comes back after that long layoff. supposed to fight Hamzat Chimayev, fights Bilal Muhammad who subs in instead and then the eye poke and fight ends in a no contest is like, what are you thinking? Is this all, is, is this is all happening? Like Leon's finally back fights Bilal, Then we have an eye poke and a no contest.
3: Yeah. I mean, for me, I thought, I figured they would run it back, but, and he's like, no, I'm going straight for the title, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, how do you, you don't deserve. And what Usman said about that was just right on. I mean, you, you have got to, you've got to, you can't get a title shot after an eye poke. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I thought that was just ridiculous. And, and, Everything that's going on with him is just wild. I mean, he hadn't fought in two years. Supposed to fight Chemaev, and then he backs out because of, of COVID or something. And he fights another guy, and he wins. It's a no contest, right? Was it a no contest by iPoke? Yeah. I thought he was winning the fight, but Bilal doesn't – he doesn't get started till the later rounds anyway. So it was just it's, – it's a mess. It's a mess. That's the guy I really wanted to fight. And now he's fighting Nate Diaz is what, I, <laughs> what I'm hearing.
2: So yeah. What did you, what did you think that about that? called
3: him out. Like why? Why even call him out? You know, what is what is so intriguing about Leon Edwards that that Nate Diaz would call him out, you know?
2: It's wild because Nate did that interview with Ariel Hawani not too long ago. And he basically said, like, I want to fight guys on a streak. I want to fight guys that that are dangerous. And if you, if you act like the fight came out of nowhere, like I was completely surprised, as was everybody else around the world. But if you actually listen to that interview, it kind of yeah. makes sense as of what Nate wants. But how, like when you found out that this was happening, they're fighting in a five round co-main event on May 15th. Like, what did you think of that?
3: I was a little upset because I wanted that fight. You know, I was called. <laughs> I was calling out Nate too. I just want to fight everybody. Give me, give just give me, give me uh, Ngannou. Come on, guys. I mean, let's let's cut to the chase. I want to fight for the heavyweight title. Give me Ngannou. I'm kidding. <laughs> I would never want to fight that man. But uh, yeah, I was calling to everybody, and for some reason, I could just never get the fight I wanted until now. You know, I was hoping somebody would take it, and Gilbert Burns just he he did it, man. I'm I'm just I'm just glad. That that somebody took the to fight.
2: A very, very nice individual himself in Gilbert Burns. But you have to imagine that, especially with the landscape of this division, this is going to be kind of a one upsmanship competition between you and Leon. Like, although Gilbert and Nate would certainly be in the conversation for a title shot if things fall correctly. But I know you have your own fight to prepare for, a dangerous fight with Gilbert Burns. But is it almost better for you that Leon and Nate fight before you do? Like, you get to see sort of that bench- benchmark be set? That you have to kind of clear
3: yeah i mean anytime some of these guys that are ranked above me and that are on that level guys that i would like to fight are fighting before me that's just a bonus it's a a way for me to kind of sit back and and see what these guys what kind of improvement these guys have made i know nate diaz has been out but um he's a lifelong martial artist so you know he's always back at the gym training but i would like to see those um those changes if any these guys have made what better shape are they in you know they working on the ground game their stand up and that gives me an idea and it i i i kind of look at that too even though i'm preparing for somebody else it just it fires me up you know it makes me makes me want to do better it makes me want to outperform all of, you know everybody everybody in the division even even uh you know leon edwards and, and and nate diaz so um it's a bonus to be able to see these guys fight before me for sure
2: with Connor and Dustin supposedly headlining this card on July 10th, there may not be any need to like add a title fight or anything to this card. You and Gilbert would make a tremendous co-main event. You you mentioned like, you don't know where this is going to be on the card, but is there a part of you that thinks that phone's going to ring and be like, Hey, Leon and Nate just did a five round co-main event. Maybe you and Gilbert could do a five round co-main event. Like what are your thoughts on that?
3: I don't know. That would, that, I would love it to be five fives. I mean, I just got done doing a five, five and on, on a, five and a half week training camp, you know, so give me 15 weeks or 14 weeks. I'm in the best shape of my freaking life. <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah, it, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't, it really doesn't matter. Three fives, five fives that really doesn't, I really don't care because I'm going to put on the best performance uh, that Steve Wonderboy Thompson has, has, uh, has, has put on. And I say that every time, but it, it you know, that's just how I feel about it. That's just how high how hard I want to change, you know, change and, and, um, Evolve in this game and get better at, especially in my ground game. So you may see a little bit of that going into this next fight. You never know. <laughs> that will be crazy. <laughs> Steve Wonderboy Thompson submits Gilbert Burns.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wonderboy gets 15 takedowns and a submission yeah, in the late, right. in the late rounds. <laughs> I
3: know, man. It's funny because it was my third fight. I was fighting, um, who was I fighting? Nishan Burrell. And I, Really use my wrestling because you know, the fight before that was Matt Brown. Everybody was saying I didn't have any wrestling, so I was out wrestling him. And I remember after that fight, I think it was Joe Silva came up to me and was like, Wonderboy, just let you know it wasn't your wrestling that got you here. And that's all he said. I was like, Okay, I see, I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. <laughs> so now I, I basically use my wrestling to keep the fight standing. So you don't see a whole lot of the wrestling, just the defense part, you know. So he's like, he, he's just saying, you know, you're, you're more exciting and you're striking. So keep it there. (laughs) I'm like, okay.
2: (laughs) With Gilbert's, you know, mentioning that like with, with Gilbert's strengths, obviously, you know, you like you said, you fought guys with grappling pedigrees, high level jujitsu practitioners, but Gilbert is as good as it gets in that realm. Plus the guy's got some pop in those hands as well. So would you, would you say, I mean, I know like fighting for the title is a whole different ball game, but. Would you say this is like the most interesting challenge of your career in terms of who you're fighting?
3: I wouldn't say in my career. I think he's right up there with Rory McDonald for sure. Rory McDonald was good everywhere. I mean, black belt jiu-jitsu, very good wrestling. I think better wrestling than Gilbert Burns. And he's he's put people away with the striking. I think he's a phenomenal and technical striker. But, uh, you know, Gilbert Burns is kind of right there with him, I believe. He's good everywhere, you know. Um so that's it's it's nothing new for me. Yeah, he's a little shorter, a little less reach, so I have the advantage there. But he's an explosive guy. He's very explosive. You saw what he did to Tyron Woodley, and Tyron Woodley's got a longer reach as well. So um, this is what makes this the fight game so fun for me is to try and figure out, you know, my opponent's weaknesses, to try and, you know, outperform them and, and beat them at their own game and figure them out, not just at, not just before the fight, but during the fight, you know, being able to, to adapt to whatever he brings, whatever he got, he's gotten better at. So that's what makes this game so fun for me. So I'm really, really uh, interested, um, and excited about this fight.
2: What did you think of Tyron's fight with Vicente Luque? Two, two former opponents, man, that was, that was a crazy fight for as long as it lasted. It was
3: at first, man, you know, everybody was talking about, you know, Tyron Woodley not being aggressive, just waiting back. But he goes out, balls to the wall the first round. I'm like, okay, here's the old Tyron Woodley we're seeing. And then and he rocks, he rocks him. He rocks uh, Vicente Luque. But Vicente just recovered so fast. And Ty- he ended up hitting tired. I think it was a right or left hook. I don't remember. But uh, Tyron, he could not recover after that. Couldn't recover. So um, we know, I know myself that Vicente Luque can take a shot he can take a shot and, and wear it very well. But Tyron couldn't, he couldn't shake that. He couldn't shake it. So um, it was disappointing because I, uh, you know, I don't like to see a veteran like that go out that way, you know, with a submission. Cause he was, he was doing so good, but there again, Vicente Luque is an up and coming guy and um, he's fired up and very, very good. So um, hats off to, to, to Vicente Luque, but I don't know what, Tyron's got next. I don't know where he goes from here. I don't know if, should he try one more? Should he retire? I mean, four in a row. That's, 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 that's a lot. And, um, the way he lost those fights, it it weren't good. You know, mentally, you can see it in Tyron Woodley. He's just, he's just not all there. You know, he doesn't have that fire, that flame anymore.
2: Yeah, it was nice to see him sort of step up to the plate and, you know, and, and have that come out guns blazing and right. it just didn't work out for him. I, 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 I Reportedly, it was last fight on his deal, so I'm I'm curious, just like you, to see what happens there. But you got your own thing to worry about 14, 15 weeks from now, and you fought on a Connor card before and things are already getting bananas and it's only April. And now it looks like the heat is getting even bigger between these two guys. Are you excited to because if you're the co made event press conference time, like you're probably going to be up there with those two. guys. I am fired
3: up because, you know, you know, when you fight on a card with Conor McGregor, you know, it's going to be fire. And now, you know, that that kind of like that, that you, the old Conor McGregor is kind of coming back a little bit, you know, nobody liked the nice Conor McGregor. You know, everybody, I, I was t- even talking about giving him my NMF belt at, you know, before his last <laughs> fight, but he, and then he tweeted after his fight, no more, that Mr. Nice. Guy, going back to the old Connor or something like that. I'm like, okay. You know, at, at first everybody was like, oh, I like this new Connor. But then after he lost they're like, no, we don't like it. Bring back the old Connor. You know, we, we need the, 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 we need the mean Connor, you know, the BMF Connor. So, um, I'm excited, man. This is great. Everybody keeps asking me, how do you get on these sick cards, man? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. But. You know, the, the UFC 205 card with that, that was one of the biggest fights of all time, right there. Being on that card with him was just amazing. So um, And exciting. Just the whole vibe around the whole fight. And knowing it's a pay-per-view, so you know fans are going to be allowed in the arena, I cannot wait.
2: Yeah, fans back, man. We're getting back to some a semblance of, uh, of some normalcy, Stephen. This is good stuff.
3: I agreed. I agreed. And we need to Should I wish it should have been like this a, a long time ago, but it was it was it was cool to to experience the no fans in there, which was it was, was pretty cool. I kind of liked it, to be honest with you. But you just miss the old, you know, the old UFC vibe, man. That the fans being out there, the whole energy leading up, building up to the fight, um, the elect the electricity in the air from all the fans and the excitement. That's just you know you can't. I don't know, man. You can't. Uh, can't deny that's just it's just a a fun time man it's really awesome to experience all that
2: you can just say yes or no you don't have to tell me like specifically but do you know where this fight is happening
3: no everybody keeps asking me i have no idea and uh even if we did it it, i mean we got a long time till then hopefully this fight even happens you know there's a lot of 14 weeks is a long time. Anything can happen in 14 weeks, you know? Normally, it's like six weeks out. I get a call from the UFC, hey, you want to fight this guy, blah, blah, blah. I've never had a fight this far out to prepare for, you know, and um, it's not like I'm going, I'm doing a 15 or 14 week training camp, not at all, but, um, you know, working on things here and there. You know, I've always been training twice to three times a day on some days. So this is normal for me, but six weeks out is where that focus is really going to, tighten up, you know, my technique, my, my cardio, uh, the hard sparring starts, uh, the training starts. So, um, getting, preparing myself for that is what I'm doing at this point.
2: Yeah. You don't want to like overthink anything either. So, right. right.
3: And, or over train. And when you're, when if you, could, if you do a 15 or 14 week training camp, it's just prone to, to injury. So mm-hmm. you're just, you got to kind of, yeah, of course you're excited, but you got to kind of pull back a little bit you know, had Chris Wyman in last week. He was here for sparring. He'll be back in this week. He's got a fight coming up. I'll be cornering him in his fight against uh, Uriah Hall. So I'll be there in Jacksonville. Will you be there?
2: I will not be there. No!
3: <laughs> That's all right. I was going to say what's up. But uh, I'm going to be there cornering him. So I, I can't wait to see. The, the pack stands. People in the seats.
2: There you go. Cornering the uh, the fellow South Carolinian. Chris that's right. Yeah. That's right. Unbelievable.
3: New South Carolinian now. So, uh, he'll be back in Wednesday to get some some extra training and some drilling in with me. So we're excited. I'm excited to have him out here.
2: Yeah, so I'm excited for that fight, uh, a rematch from the regional scene. He handed Uriah his uh, his first professional loss and Uriah's been right. thinking Knock about him out
3: he's, with that Anderson Silva left hook. Yeah, Uriah's been
2: <laughs> Uriah's been stewing on that one for about a decade now, just yeah. waiting for his opportunity. Yeah, he's fight. the one
3: that went back for sure. But Chris, man, he is in shape. He's down a away. He's ready to go. This is the more fi- most fired up I've ever seen this guy. So he's looking forward to it.
2: So you got a tough fight with a, a great fighter in Gilbert Burns where uh, we are a ways away. But uh, I don't even know. How, how do we get this thing done and closer to the title fight? Like, what's what's the goal? What What are we thinking about here? I know it's early for, like, predictions per se. But, you know, what are we thinking right now?
3: You know. Like I said before, you go out there and put on a great performance. You know, you go out there and knock out a guy like Gilbert Burns or you just you just dominate him every round. That right there is going to get you a title shot for sure. So, uh, I mean, they can't deny me after I go out there and beat Gilbert Burns. They can't. I mean, everybody knows they wanted that fight, I mean, before this fight was even announced, wanted me to fight for the title fights. The fans wanted to see it. Everybody wanted to see it. And with a good win, like, uh, you know, beating Gilbert Burns, they got to give it to him. I'm the only guy in the division at this point in the top five that Gilbert, that Usman has not faced. And he even says it himself, you know, um, I'm a very tough matchup, you know, hard to prepare for kind of guy. Um, So I think it just makes sense. Go out there and just dominate. Dominate.
2: Do you think Usman beats Mazadal again?
3: I mean, on paper, Yes. I mean, of course, there's something in me to, that would be cool to have a new, just to throw things at, around, you know, a little bit more to make things more exciting. It'd be cool if if uh, wins, but I, I got Usman. It's
2: an interesting fight. It's It's going down less than two weeks. I mean,
3: Mazidall, what he he stuffed twelve of Usman's fight uh, takedowns his last fight, and I don't think he started getting taken down until he got a little tired, got to get exhausted. So he's got a full camp in now. So you know he's in great shape. And a fired up Maz is nobody to be playing around with, let me tell you. You <laughs> so know this. I'm excited. He can pull anything off. I mean, you know, look what he's done in the past. Flying knee dudes, you know, TKO, freaking Nate Diaz, knocked out Darren Till. The dude's an animal. So you cannot, you can't, you can't call him off.
2: Speaking of flying knees, are you gonna watch Ben Askren versus Jake Paul on Saturday?
3: I refuse. I refuse. <laughs> I refuse to watch that. Why? I mean, I don't know, man. It's just it's it's it is kind of cringe. I think it's kinda cringe. I mean, the YouTube people, the people who are just in it for the entertainment, which you know, everybody's watching for the entertainment, but as an athlete, like that that shouldn't even make sense. That shouldn't even make sense right to me. You know what I mean? It, I think it would just hurt Ben Askren's legacy. Uh I know some other guy was his brother tried to get the the fight with uh with Mayweather, I think it would just hurt their legacy. I mean, you got to as an athlete, I don't think it makes sense. But as an inter- as entertainment, as a as a fan of the game, and um, you know, me being a YouTuber as well, like those guys are are making moves, man. You know, the Paul brothers are making moves. So, uh, I mean, hats off to those guys. But I just want to slap them. I want to slap them. <laughs> I do. Like, I I I, I hope that Ben Askren goes out there. I know it's boxing, but picks him up and slams him, gets disqualified, and looks at him and says, "That's real fighting." You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Just goes out there and just. I think Ben Askren could have a have a chance to win though, if he goes out there. I think Paul, uh, Jake Paul, he's gonna go out there guns blazing, and we all know Ben can take a punch. He's tough. I think he can weather the storm and just lay on him and mean mug him and dirty box him and tire him out and win the fight. That would be nuts. He'd be a ben hero. Aspen winning a boxing match. <laughs> What Have you seen the guy hit a bag? Yeah. Oh my
2: God. The Rocky videos are tremendous
3: though. Oh my gosh. That's funny. He cracks me up. It's what's funny was the, uh, the press conference was hilarious oh and where he God. just leaned back and touched Jake's face and Jake gave him <laughs> a little pity pat to the body. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> what was that? Were you trying to hit him? What was that? Oh my gosh. It's funny.
2: So you'll, be, so you'll be watching Whitaker versus Gaslam. Yeah,
3: I'll be watching <laughs> Whitaker versus Gaslam for sure. Fair oh enough. God. I think, uh, Tony, my brother's over here. Are yeah. you going to be watching the Jake Paul fight? Well, now that you just said all that about it, there's no way I can watch
2: it anymore. <laughs> 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 so no Thompson viewing.
3: Absolutely. No, no Thompson viewing. No Thompson. We'll find out what happened on social media. <laughs>
2: Oh man. Speaking of YouTube, how is, uh, how is your YouTube life going? How's the podcast? You're everywhere these days. How's that all going? Oh, man. It's going great, man. We, we
3: had Houston Jones back. And I don't know if you saw that video of me kicking him, that guy in the leg. <laughs> so we did some other crazy video. He was in this weekend. So we collabed with him. We got a lot of videos done with him. Stay tuned, watch it. I mean, this is going to go viral as well. What we did this past weekend, it's going to go viral. We spent some time out in Kentucky with Kentucky ballistics. Uh, Shots in 50 cal, some elephant guns, some. It, it was fun, man. It's been going great, and and meeting new people. That's what's so cool about the YouTube thing. This is something me and Tony, my brother, have, um, you know, been talking about for the longest time, and was just like, yeah, you know, we'll just we'll just wing it. Let's do it. Let's just wing it, you know. And um, we didn't think it was going to be as popular as it is, and we're all we're at 300,000 subscribers in what two years? Yeah, right at right at two years, which is crazy, and still growing. Um, and just be able to meet new people from all over the world is great. It's great, man. We're, we're having a great time. And, um, you know, the impact that we're having on people and the positivity of the channel is just awesome. It's changing people's vibes, man. It really is. So we're, we're enjoying it.
2: The show is just better when he's on it, isn't it? It just is. Big shout out to Wonder Boy for coming on. Big fight with Gil Burns coming up UFC 264 on July 10th. I hope they make this the co-main event and make it a five round fight. They're doing it with Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. When you got Poirier and McGregor at the top, trilogy fight, you don't need to add title fights or a whole bunch of craziness to it. You have a really good co-main event right there. Wonder Boy versus Burns. It's it's a big fight. Number five versus number two. If Wonder Boy beats Gilbert Burns and does it impressively, he could be the next guy to fight for the belts. Who knows? Especially and, and you know we'll see what happens on May 15th when Leon Edwards fights Nate Diaz, but it's a huge fight. I if if that fight's going five rounds and these two fights are going to determine who's going to fight the winner of Uzman versus Mazadal on April 24th, This one has to be five rounds. Just go ahead and make that happen. Wonder boys in. I'm sure Gilbert Burns would be in for that. Let's make it happen. Pay these men, give them the extra 10 minutes. I'm down for it. As we move ahead to our next guest, we go from the NMF to the beginning of maybe the NF, NMFR. God, NMFR. God, that's so hard to say. The nicest MF and rivalry, maybe in the UFC, in the history of the UFC. That's easier to say than NF, (laughs) God, that's so bad. But listen, Randy Costa is going to join us. He wants to fight Adrian Yanez, but in the most competitively respectful reasoning possible. Like it really was refreshing. Here he is, the Zohan, Randy Costa on what the heck. All right, let us say hello to Randy Costa, a fellow New Englander living the good life in sunny Florida these days. How are you, my man?
5: Mike Heck, what's going on, man? How you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Uh, happy to have you back, my man. There's a lot going on in the world of MMA these days. You've been out there quite a bit with a with a fight you'd like to have, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but you were supposed to compete last month against Trevin Jones. You were forced to withdraw from that fight with an injury. Seems like... if People follow you on social media. You are on the other end of that now. What happened? How are you feeling now?
5: I'm feeling great now. Um, So before going into the fight against Journey last year, it was a few weeks before. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how it happened, but it did happen. I tore a muscle in my hip. Um, So I was pretty fucked up and I never really got it like fixed or taken care of. And Obviously, I'm still throwing kicks and running and doing everything that I'm not supposed to do. Um, It caught up with me everything started overcompensating and like my hips are supposed to be square like this, this hip, the muscle was torn. So everything over, overcompensated. So one of my legs was longer than the other. I was like way fucked up. I thought I had a slipped disc in my back. I couldn't bend, cough, shit, sneeze, nothing for like probably like three solid weeks. Um, the initial like flare up with my back happened probably about six weeks before the fight. I rested about a week and then an, or rested two weeks, and then it came back about three weeks before the fight. And then I figured at that point that there's really no chance that I can do any kind of training. I couldn't even stand up. I couldn't – or I can stand up, but I couldn't walk. Um, it was a whole process to, to, like, get myself up off the ground, roll out of bed, sleep. Um, and I've talked to a lot of other people that have had similar injuries to this. And I and I always thought back injury – lower back injuries were just kind of like a crock of shit. Like, oh, right, dude, just rub some dirt on it. You'll be fine. But now I know. It's not – a fucking game. Um, thankfully, it was nothing serious. I had to do PT for two times a week for a month. And I was like, then when I come coming back from that, I was still super careful, like with the hard wrestling and hard grappling and hard kickboxing and things like that. Um, but as of last week or two weeks ago, I'm 100% good to go. I've been training 100% wrestling, grappling, all those things. But when we're talking about like a six week gap of like limited training and restricted training and, and just, dude, it was it was like super fucked up. Yeah. I don't ever want to have back injury like that again. Like that really sucked.
2: Did it kind of show you that, you know, when things flare up now it's, it's not just, I mean, you mentioned like, especially at the back, you can't just rub dirt on it, but you know, just kind of getting into it a little bit more and just seeing what the actual problem is. So you don't have to go through this again.
5: Dude, I, I couldn't even believe it. Cause I mean, I run a lot and you know, I've, I've always been a runner. So I always had like, you know, sore knees and ankles and joints and little things like that. But like my hip was like, that was like a real fuck up. Uh, and I, I got it checked out after the fight, and they told me that it's torn and that I should do this, that, the other thing. And because I I guess I'm ignorant towards what what actually the problem is, I didn't really give a fuck and I kind of just washed it away. Um, and then kind of got payback for it. Um, but honestly, dude, it might have been a blessing in disguise. I don't think I've been in, in this good of shape in a long time. I, like, I don't even have a fucking fight lined up. I have a fight I had a fight cancelled, you know, and, and I'm on weight. I'm talking like I can make weight in three days. I haven't been in this good of shape in a long time. So as shitty as it happened and I felt awful for Trevin and I'm happy that he, he one got a fight and then two got another big win. Um I'm happy that I was able to, you know, take a step back and kinda of realize like the things I need to do, um, to get back in the cage. Because man, I'm too young to be having like stupid lingering like actual real injuries. So, um, could be a blessing in disguise, man. You know me. I'm a positive guy. It is what it is. Um, we're on to the next one. We're good to go now.
2: So you can make weight in three days. Big, big difference from where you were last year, right? When the pandemic was like just kicking off and, you know, you said you got up to the, you ballooned to the biggest weight of your life. We're in a much different place now, right?
5: <laughs> I couldn't make weight in fucking three months. Never mind for <laughs> days. Like, I'm good now. We've, we've turned the page. We're good to go.
2: There you go. I saw on social media you've been training with the fine folks over at Sanford MMA these days. A lot going on over at that gym as always, but I know Adam Borch just came home with the big win over at Bellator. How have you been enjoying your your time over at Sanford MMA?
5: Dude, I, I can't... I can't even begin to start. They are, they are so awesome over there. Every Everybody's, like, is so awesome that the facility is fucking gorgeous. Everything is gorgeous. The coaches, everybody's so welcoming. Everyone's so awesome. I really... You know, at, at Lozon's back at home in Massachusetts, when I was training at Lozon's gym, it's very much like a family there. Sanford feels that way too. Everybody's super cool, hanging out with each other on the weekends, talking, checking in with each other. There's a big group chat within the gym. Within the gym, I can't say enough good things about that. You know, you have Henry, you have Kami, you have Greg Jones. Those guys, they know what they're doing. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, look at the the names that they have there and what they have accomplished. Man. I can't I can't say better things about that gym and how I've been treated there. I'm I'll be there for for a long run for
2: sure that's good to hear so let's let's talk about something that has gotten a lot of people excited over the last couple of weeks a call out of sorts to another <laughs> rising bantamweight in adrian yanez you were hoping to give him his wish fight on that houston card may 15th in his hometown you've got to experience what it's like fighting in front of your home fans what uh what what inspired this this idea this call of this reese's versus dr pepper rivalry that we're seeing
5: Well, dude, I I didn't even, it wasn't even like I went out of my way. I was like, I want that guy. It wasn't that way at all. Uh, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but someone had tweeted like, oh, Randy Costa versus Adrian Giannis would be a good fight. And I chimed in. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that would be a good fight too. Like, whatever. Like, I'm sure it would be. Like, whatever. He's like very good. And they said something like, oh, he wants to fight May 15th. And I said, well, I don't really know how to talk shit, but I know he likes Dr. Pepper and Dr. Pepper sucks. So... (laughs) want to take that as talking shit like, like if that's what we can like fight about I don't, I don't dislike the guy so i'm not like calling shots at him it was simply just like a twitter reply that had turned like this big thing and then like it started catching steam and like the schmo started talking about it and other uh journalists or, or mma journalism platforms started talking about it and then it was like just became this thing of it was actually really cool because it was the first time that i had seen something like people actually get behind a fight that was provoked with nothing but positivity like it was really fucking cool like people were like wow dude this would be such a good fight like but it was there was no animosity we weren't talking shit about each other it was if anything we were giving compliments to each other and you know it was it was just really cool to see and change the angle of what sometimes MMA fighters can do like I I know I have never seen a fight come to fruition or, or at least like get back so hard of literally just positivity. There was no negativity, there was no shit talk. It was really, it was really cool. So even if it doesn't, if the fight doesn't happen, like great, I'm just happy like people, you know, he he got to boost his stock a little bit. I got to make my name a little bit and it was just out of complete positivity. There's no, nobody's talking shit about anybody. I mean, his fans aren't even talking shit about me and my people aren't talking shit about him. It's like just one big fucking party. It's really cool
2: we just want to see this fight happen. Cause like, you know, like both of you guys are coming off back to back finishes and it's funny. I host a matchmaking show where like it happens all after all these events. And I don't know why I didn't think of this matchup to begin with, but as soon as you like sent that tweet that caught my attention, I was like, damn, this is a lot of fun. And you like to just like, like you said, you're not a trash talker. You just want exciting fights. You want bangers as, as the kids say today, it seems like this fight would check off like every single box you'd be looking for. Right.
5: I mean one one thousand percent, dude, one thousand percent it would really be two exciting martial artists going after you, going at going at it, right, um and the whole thing with with um with him being from Houston or around Houston or whatever it may be, and then obviously the story about his father and you know i was I was gifted with the opportunity to fight in my hometown so early in my career, so if I can almost like help him get to it by you know I want to fight, I want to be the guy that's walking out I want all of. Houston to tell me I fucking suck and then I'm gonna die. Like that'd be fucking so cool. I would love for that to happen. You know, it's like but I don't really like <clears throat> the fight will be really exciting. Everybody knows it would be really exciting. I can see why the UFC wouldn't wanna put it together, but I could also see why the UFC would want it to put it, would wanna put it together, especially now that there are fans in the crowd. Um yeah, dude, I, I don't I don't really know where it's gonna go with that. As a realist, it's not going to happen in Houston, Texas, unless it's on, like, four or five days' notice. The card has, like, fucking 25 fights on it, so (laughs) that's not going to happen. But, I mean, maybe sometime, maybe shortly thereafter. I mean, I'm sure Adrian Yanez and I are going to fight. I'm sure that's the inevitable. Maybe not this fight. Maybe not the next fight. That fight's going to happen. Look at the the trajectory of where we're going. He has a head kick knockout and a right hand knockout in the UFC. What do I have? The same fucking thing. Both young, both exciting kids, both... Both fun, both know how to talk, no, we're not talking shit where we know how to, to bring some energy. So I'm sure that fight is going to happen. It's the inevitable. I'm not sure if it's going to happen right now. I don't think it's going to happen in Houston, but I'm ready for it. I mean, fuck, it's going to be so fun.
2: See, here's here's what's interesting because, like, if you talk about any other division in the UFC besides maybe heavyweight, like, you can make the argument that, like, oh, we shouldn't match these guys up because they're two prospects, they're, they're both finishers, they're both on a run. Like, we don't want to match these guys up, but at Bantamweight, there's like no other way around it, man. Like it, like no matter what happens, you're going to have to go up against like another surging prospect. So why not just make this fight now? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't hurt either of your stocks. Like if you make this fight now, like you're both young, you're both rising, you're both haven't even come close to where your prime's going to be. I feel like now would be a good time to have it. And whatever happens, you know, once you guys get up into the top 15 title contention, There's a story to run it back down the road. Let's let's make the story start now. Like it's already starting on Twitter. Everyone's getting excited. Let's just make the friggin' fight now.
5: I agree. And and if anything, it it would boost our stock, right? Because even the loser, whoever, I mean, I could lose, he could, whoever the loser is, it would still, it's still going to be an exciting fight. It's still going to be a fun fight. The public recognizes that we're both very skilled in what we do and the loser wouldn't be discredited if he loses. It would be an exciting fight that could get run down at some point down the road. But as you mentioned, dude, that the Bantamweight division is no fucking joke. I mean, outside the top 10, it's kind of a toss up. You could have like the 11 guy fight the number 26 guy and it's still gonna be a close fight. You can't really say that about every other division. The Bantamweight division is just fucking scary, dude.
2: It is Monday at one forty p.m. Eastern time as we record this, a little peel back from the curtain. And I was talking to Wonderboy Thompson, right as this like Conor McGregor, uh, Dustin Poirier stuff is going on and like Wonderboy's just reacting because he's on the card. So he's like reacting to this in real time. So to hear you talk about how people are responding to this fight between you and Adrian Yanez after seeing what's going on on Twitter between those two guys, this is a breath of fresh air, Randy. Thank you for this. Thank you on behalf of of all the positive fans out there. Yeah,
5: but I mean, fuck, I mean, at the very least we can get some, I mean, we don't even have a fight signed or happening and there's no contracts or anything like that, but people are, you know, excited about our fake Twitter fight that we have going on. I don't fucking, I don't know what's going on, dude.
2: I want to see you guys like just watch a fight together or something like do something like the UFC should jump on this, put you guys both on a Twitch stream, watching a car together and just get your insights like do something.
5: Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think there's, there's, there's definitely that there's something that can be done um, with whatever lead up can happen in whatever direction. the a fight between Adrian Yanez and myself go, whether he gets a different opponent, I get a different opponent. We fight each other. Something can be done um, by bringing us together and, and I think I think we're both pretty positive like figures for the sport. I mean we're not out here talking shit, we're not bashing anybody we're we're playing we're making stupid fun. He's like uh doing a fundraiser right now, and i I want to like plug that and make a little shout out for that. He's he like, has a little fundraiser for. Someone that was affected by COVID close to his circle, I, I don't want to butcher what's going on, so I, I'm, I'm just going to spit my knowledge. Somebody that was affected, so he had everybody on the card that he fought for, signed the UFC gloves, and he's raffling them off. So he's just like a good, whole dude, and like a wholesome dude. And he's a fucking savage in the cage. and he's so I mean, that's the kind of style fight, well, that's the kind of style that my style complements, or we complements each other's style. It, somebody would 100% get knocked out. It would, it would be the inevitable, right? I mean, someone has to be asleep. I hope it's not me, but someone would have to be asleep.
2: God, this is so friendly and inspiring. I gotta say, has there um <laughs> has there has there been any interest from the UFC at all? Like, if, has has anyone reached out to you about like maybe dates? Like, could this happen? Like, anything?
5: I know that definitely not on my side. Um, I mean, I know that myself or, or my management has asked for this fight. I imagine that he's done the same, given that this whole thing is extremely public. But I have no idea if there's anything further. I I mean, only Sean Shelby knows Sean Shelby's agenda. We don't. We can't speculate. We've seen all these fucking crazy things in the UFC. We don't really know what's gonna happen. And people like me and Adrian Yanez right now, we're probably on the last, on the bottom of the list of what their, you know, what their priorities are. Uh, So I don't think they're. I I doubt they're in a rush to kind of get us booked or anything like that. Um, But I mean, dude, like this this fight it makes sense in terms of like where the rankings are and our rankings, whatever, wherever you want to fucking call them. It makes sense of where we are in our career and hike stylistically putting that fight together. The only reason, like I said, why I can see why it wouldn't make sense is if they, they want to kind of build us a little bit more and create a bigger fight. But you can see on the other hand, look at the biggest fight that's going on right now is McGregor and, and Poirier. They fought, what was that, six years ago or eight years ago, whatever it was, in the beginning of their careers the beginning part of their careers. This is kind of the same thing that's going on right now, and now it's gonna be the biggest trilogy maybe ever, right? I mean, so, I mean, who knows what what's gonna go on? But I know if that if we get that contract, I mean, I'm gonna sign it, and I imagine Adrian is too, and we will put together a hell of a fight, but we're not really in control of that. I mean, that's completely out of our control. We can only ask so many times, but at this point, it's like, are we beating a dead horse, or like, are we gonna get anything? Is this gonna happen? Like, yes or no, if not, then like, it's fine. But I'm glad that we don't have, like, real animosity towards each other because if this fight didn't happen and we've been only raging on Twitter about it, I mean, one of us would be flying somewhere else to fucking try to make a fight happen, right? I mean, so it's good that if it doesn't happen, we can just kind of separate and it is what it is. But, I mean, I'm ready. I mean, if it happens, great. If not, then... Also great. I don't really give a fuck. I just want to fight.
2: (laughs) So all things considered, whether it's Giannis May 15th or any other, any other day, like you're just looking to get back as soon as possible. At this point, you're in great shape. You're ready for whatever date (laughs) comes along.
5: Yeah, dude. I mean, if something falls off Jacksonville, what's that? Two weeks ready for um, Jacksonville. Um, Literally the only thing that would have me say no is if I can't get my medicals done right, you know, fast enough. If someone calls me on Wednesday for a fight on Saturday, I probably, that might be tough to get my medicals done. But if somebody calls me for a fight in two weeks, it's gonna be, I can, it, be a second. I'm gonna get my, you know, I'm gonna start getting my medicals done now. I only need like my physical and blood and those are easy, I can go right across the street. And I have those done. Um, I'm on weight, I'm in shape. I've been training, like I have a fight. I and mean, then you can see, all my social media and stuff that I'm not just sitting around eating fucking potato chips and drinking beer on the beach, right? I'm actually like working out, I'm in shape training. I'm ready, dude. I just need, I'm just, just waiting at this point. It's it's annoying, but I mean, in the UFC's de- defense, I just pulled out of a fight. So I can't really be the one, you know, talking shit. i oh, book me, book me, book me, like they did already and I pulled. So I don't know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. You're only really as good as your last fight at this point. My last fight isn't the journey fight anymore. It's the fight I pulled out of. So I'm, I'm on the I'm on the low part of the, of the UFC's priority list, but you know once we get booked and we get another performance, and I'll be higher priority. Um, but I'm ready for whatever, dude. I'm just gonna keep doing what I have to do and see what happens.
2: Let's talk about things you have a little bit of control over. This this newly bonded friendship with Jared Gordon, who is uh, one of our favorites on the show. He had the greatest quote in the history of the podcast last year when talking about friendship. He was talking about his longstanding relationship with Bilal Muhammad over the years. And, you know, we see you on Twitter. You're asking him to lunch, and he no-shows, and then you guys have lunch later in the week. I mean, what is going on here? This is this is 90s sitcom stuff, Randy Costa. <laughs> yeah.
5: Well, dude, you know what's funny is there were, like, so I had just met Jared in September, so right before I had fought Journey, because he was training at Sanford. I was training at, at a different gym at the time, and I had met him at DeRue's, at Phil DeRue's gym. And before I met him, I was, I was always like telling like, my girlfriend and like, my other friends, like, hey, you have to watch this kid, Jared Gordon. He's, you know, if anything else, it's inspiring. He rock bottom, came back from things that people don't even live through, and let alone he's now making a career off fighting and, and spreading his message. So he was one of the people in the UFC that there's not many of them that I have, but like, I really like, I root for, him. like, I genuinely like, Hey, I hope that dude wins. Like I, I just back that guy. So now that like I meet him, you know, I'm friends, friends with him. Now it's like, all right, dad, fuck you, Jared. Like kick rocks. <laughs> but like, like he is like, he's just, he is a good dude and he's such an easy guy to like get behind and root for given his past and the message he's trying to spread and the people he's or, or the, how he's trying to help people now. And, and, and just like being a good wholesome dude, but like he's 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 fucking cool, man. He's he's a fucking idiot. We go we go to eat twice. We go to lunch twice a week. So every Tuesday and Thursday we go to lunch. So if he ducks me or bails on me last week, like his mom was in town or something, so you know I took that right away and I just like start talking shit about him. But <laughs> yeah, dude, he's he's cool, man. I, I like Jared a lot. He's he's the man. Good dude. Yeah,
2: he is. He's a good guy. I, I root for him. We we text chat every so often, but. Like we, like we talked about, man, Wade is on fire right now. Your fellow uh, Bostonian Rob Font is getting a main event fight with Cody Garbrandt on May 22nd. I feel like the New England MMA scene, even though you live in Florida now, but you're still, you're still New, Englander, New Englander at heart. The scene is, as, is in as good a place as I've ever seen it. And I don't know if you agree with that or not, but what do you think of Rob getting a main event spot against Cody, the comeback, and just the region itself getting a little bit more love these days?
5: Well... I'll definitely speak on on Rob and Calvin, dude. I, I couldn't be happier for those guys. Couldn't be. I mean, for whatever for whatever it means, I couldn't be more proud of them um, and everything they've done. Tyson too. Tyson, you know, taking control of what's going on. They are they are too. They're they they're just good dudes. Um, you know, before I made my, my pro debut, Rob is kind of who kickstarted me, get me to get me, you know, back in gear. I was in the open workout with him at um, at UFC Boston when he fought Thomas Almeida. You know they're, they're just good people, and I really couldn't be happy for them. And, and the, you know, Calvin obviously had had a tough fight, but I mean it was to the goat, so I mean he really didn't lose stock from that. And then you have Font going up to fight Garbrandt after coming off a big knockout of a, of a Moraes, who was, you know, that was the guy at 135, and Font just did that to him. I, I'm I'm very happy and I'm very excited for those guys, and they they fucking work, dude. They they earn it, and I, I'm so pumped that Font has now, you know, he's had what a, a nine-month or 12-month layup because of his his knee after the Ricky Simone fight. So it's just, everything's kind of coming full circle with him and I'm so pumped for him and New England. You know, they, they, if they're repping New England, it's fucking awesome what they're doing. Um, but it's tough. I'm sure, like, over the next two years, COVID, I mean, not COVID, but uh, New England MMA was going to start booming even more because this COVID shit shut Massachusetts down completely and all the Northeast because it's just a, a different government type. Everything is still really close, so MMA scene is not even possible there, so once that clears, I'm sure things are going to start booming again um, but I'm really ha- I'm really happy and excited and proud of Font and Calvin for what they have done and what they're doing and what they're going to continue to do and, and Font's up next on May 8th and I think he's going to get the job done over Garbrandt, I really, I really and truly do, I think this is that big opportunity that, that Font needs to, to really put his name in the mix and I, I think he's going to get it done.
2: Can't wait for that fight and of course T.J. Dillashaw's fighting Corey Sandhagen, so it's going to be a good Good darn month for the Bantamweight division. So I have to ask before we let you go, will you, I I could see you and Jared ordering a pizza and hanging out watching Ben Askren versus Jake Paul on Saturday. You're going to be watching that fight. Is that on your radar?
5: I mean, you fucking have to dude. right? You have to. (laughs) Do you want to? Probably not. But like you have to, it's an obligation as a fan of the sport. You have to watch what's going on and uh, fuck dude. Like what's going to happen? I mean you could say Jake Paul's like this YouTuber this, that like yeah that that's all very true and Ben Askren's that wrestler like they the all very true things but like Jake Paul has shown that he can he has power behind his punch and Ben Aspen can't rely on his wrestling in this fight. so what what's gonna happen you can have the fighter kid who can't use his best or the 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 route or his to his winnings to his past winnings he can't use that in this fight and you have Jake Paul who's never really actually fought a real fighter. Ben Askren's a real. F- I don't fucking know. I have to watch it. I'm so mad about it, dude. I'm 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 embarrassed about it that I'm gonna be watching it, but I am gonna be watching
2: it. <laughs> did it Did it break your heart? Um, did it break your heart watching Jake Paul knock out former Boston Celtic Nate Robinson?
5: Um, <laughs> it, I mean, he was only there for a brief run, right? It was, it was a cup of coffee. He was, yeah. It was. It was in and out. I'm, I don't fucking, I don't, what, what, what the fuck was he doing in there, dude? I don't I mean, know. You know what I mean? Like what's, what's going on? Now? We got the, the YouTube kid selling out shows in fucking Atlanta, Georgia. Now we have a concert with, you know, going on in, in like intermission. Like what is going, I mean, he's doing it right. You can talk shit about him, but I can tell you one thing. He has more money in his bank account than I do. So,
2: and me, definitely me <laughs>
5: Probably um, together.
2: Who, who are you picking? Got to make a pick. I'm handing you 50 bucks right now to, to place on one of these guys or right, I take the 50 bucks back if you don't bet it. You betting Ben or you betting Jake? Jake Paul. Yeah? Yeah. Knockout? Yeah. What happens, if it, by- what happens if it gets past like the fourth round? Are you, uh, are you starting to get nervous on your pick?
5: Not getting nervous on my pick, but my... If I'm 100% certain that... I'm not 100% certain, but if I'm 100% certain that... Jake Paul is gonna knock Ben Askren out, that's before the halfway point of the match. In the latter part of the match, I would say closer to like maybe seventy percent, sixty-five percent, because Ben Askren is like that. He's a wet blanket, right? So I mean you you can probably anticipate him just trying to hang on Jake Paul's neck as often as he can, right? So if he does that, how often you know, how long, how good is Jake Paul's conditioning? Ben Askren knows what it's like to be under the lights. Ben Askren knows what it's like to, you know, have to hang on somebody and, and come and be in a dogfight. Does Jake Paul know that? So it's just a toss-up. But we're talking about like you know eight ounce, eight ounce gloves or ten ounce gloves, and Jake Paul is not like a small guy. He's a pretty big guy. I don't know, dude. It's kind of concerning. It might make the MMA community look pretty bad.
2: Ben's <laughs> dropped some guys too, though, in, in his past. Like, it's I, I know he's not like the most beautiful striker. He's not Ali, no doubt about it, My- but. He has dropped. He has dropped guys before.
5: Mike Heck is he is he dropping people with a straight up stance and a one two down the plate, or is he threatening takedowns for three minutes and then throwing a right hand to drop someone?
2: I knew I was in trouble when you used my full name, Randy.
5: Yeah, (laughs) come on, Mike. (laughs) I think I
2: I have no idea. I I have no idea. Like I'm like my heart's going with Ben, one hundred percent. I want Ben to win. Yeah. I want to see it. It, it. It'd be a great thing. The And, and listen, it's, it's, it's obvious. If this thing goes deep, that's Ben's best chance to win. But who the hell knows, man? Who knows? Like, I'm surprised this fight's even happening. This guy just had major hip surgery in September, had to retire from MMA, and now he's... And it's my fault this fight's happening, Randy. It's my fault. It, is it? I'm taking the blame for it because right before I interviewed Ben Askren, Jake was getting ready to fight nate robinson and he mentioned ben's name so i interviewed ben like uh-huh. three days later and i mentioned it and wrote the article and released the video and the thing blew up and now we're now they're fighting so i'm taking well, the blame my I, fault i have a
5: i have almost like a hypothetical quote or not really hypothetical but maybe a different way to think about things is the ufc doing as good as it is right now because of ben askin getting knocked out by mass it, it didn't hurt Who's who stepped in to save the day when Burns had COVID Masvidal. on five days? Masvidal's went. Masvidal got his stock booming from the Ben Ashman fight, right? Yeah. Could he have something? Could he have something to do with it? I mean, it's was, was he the plan for the UFC gods? <laughs> I mean, he
2: could be, but Ben made that fight what it was. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Ben, Ben built that fight because I mean, for a guy that went one and two in the UFC, and that one win was super controversial. I mean, that guy did biz, big business for the UFC. He was, I mean, he, he cashed in. So did the UFC for the three fights he had. He did big business for them, win or lose.
5: Ben's whole Ben's a UFC fighter with a or UFC vet with a massive asterisk next to it, right? Kind of.
2: I mean, I would agree with that, but that that that's what makes his story so compelling. That's what kind of makes him who he is.
5: And and he and he lives up. So if you're a dickhead, you act like a dickhead. If you're Ben Askren, you act like Ben Askren. He is killing it, dude. He's killing. It. He's he trolls the trolls. He's too good, right? I mean, his fucking punching bag has Jake Paul's face on. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like he's just too good.
2: I knew nothing about cryptocurrency until I followed Ben Askren on Twitter, and I still don't know much, but I know way more than I did a year ago.
5: Yeah, and he's like he's he's sneaky smart. You look at me like he's just like a bonehead, right? He's just like a <laughs> like a kid that would wear like a dunce cap, but like that's not him. He's actually like a really intelligent guy.
2: He is. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's yeah. doing. He's he's like. Uh, I don't know, he's he's like a Diaz brother, but just from like a different side of the country. Like very business savvy, but Okay. You know, approaches things in different ways than than the typical fighter does. But it works out. Like Nick Diaz hasn't fought in like seven years, but everybody still wants to see him. Like he does like little things here and there that make you still want to see him.
5: Yeah, and you're just active enough on social media to be alive. Just enough. Just to be alive, yeah. No, I, I want I want Ben to win, but I'd be lying if I said I was confident. Not really confident.
2: Yeah. Well, the good thing for Ben is that no matter what happens, the man's getting paid and paid a lot of money. So he can deal. I mean, he he dealt with the Mazdao loss, and he handled that as well as anybody on planet Earth could have handled that. I don't know how you handle losing to Jake, but I think the, the $100 bills will, will dry the tears away at the end of the day.
5: Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be upset for too long, dude. He's going to be crying all the way to the bank, and then he's done crying.
2: That's it. Then he can move on and hang out with his family and be good to go, man. So you and Adrian should like Twitch watching that fight together. That'd be that'd be a blast. I'll watch it. I'll watch you guys talk some well, talk some smack
5: or or like Instagram live it.
2: Ooh, there you go. See, do it. Get it done. That'd
5: be. You
2: guys can eat and be I'll friendly. Have to,
5: well, I'll have to I'll have to consult with my business partner Adrian to see down. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Very much enjoy when I get the chance to catch up with a fellow New Englander, Randy Costa. I think the UFC just needs to go ahead and make this fight with Adrian Yanez and do it now. It's just too good. The build will be amazing. It'll be so respectful. I'm down for it. If for some reason they can get it on that May 15th card, like if, if one of these fights falls off, and I think Adrian Yanez tweeted about this Monday night saying that he heard there's a fight off. Let's get him in there. This is a no-brainer. Book this fight for May 15th if you can do it. If not... Book on the same card as Font and Garbrandt. Let's do it. I'm ready for it. It's a great fight. Two up and comers. weights loaded. You're gonna have to fight prospects anyways. Really good fighters. This is what 135 is all about right now. Top to bottom, it is ridiculous. So, hopefully, we can make that happen. I really want to see it. But we do have one more great chat to get to with one of the big winners from Saturday night's UFC Vegas 23 event on ABC. But we're gonna wrap up this portion of the program. We'll leave you with that conversation, but. Just a reminder of the programming this week. Maybe not a reminder. Maybe you're hearing this for the first time. But the A-side live chat goes down on Wednesday. We'll have the Bellator Media Day on Wednesday as well. Thursday, Jed Mishu will defend his BTL title. I don't know who he's defending it against. But when Jed's here, you know the fire's coming. He will also be our boots on the ground for the Askren versus Paul card. So look for his coverage. Friday, we'll have our preview show for both Askren Paul and UFC Vegas 24. We'll be all over Bellator 257, the two events on Saturday. Just a lot going on. Like I said, this is a crazy week in the combat sports world. But big thank you to all of you for watching and listening to the show. Big thank you to Casey Lydon on the production. Alex Savis on the graphics this week. And as always, you know what I'm going to say. Have a heck of a week, everybody. We leave you with my conversation with the always entertaining Julian Marquez. All right, let us say hello to one of the big winners from this past weekend at UFC Vegas 23. got the main card treatment on ABC and delivered with the big-time finish of Sam Alvey. He hurt him with strikes, then he put him to sleep with the rear naked choke in the fight of the night. Let us say hello to the Cuban Missile Crisis himself, Julian Marquez. Julian, how are you, man?
6: Man, I am golden, happy, satisfied, and energetic here on this day today, man. I'm pumped. How are you today?
2: I'm doing great. And you know what, I, I I think back to the last time we spoke it was right after, it was the Monday after the first fight this year. And from a personal level, you're doing way better this time because you're not dealing with car problems, heat issues on a freezing cold day in Missouri. So you got that going for you already.
6: That's crazy. I'm back at the same location, just hanging out. Um, so it's it's way better though. But what I mean, I think you're just like calling me when I'm here at the auto shop.
2: I know, how about that? Uh, in all seriousness, congratulations on the win. You took this fight on a little bit of short notice for your teammate Zach Cummings. You made the most of this opportunity. How does this all feel from from the uh, a competitive standpoint? Less than 48 hours later.
6: Man, I feel amazing. I'm on top of the world. Like I said, I'm I'm pumped, dude. You know, I, I took a short notice fight against someone that I I loved watching fight. I watched a lot growing up. It was a huge test for me. It was a huge. Um, nerve-wracking fight for myself um and i I, i'm i can't put into words how it feels to be able to compete against someone as sam alvey is and a veteran of the sport um i I just i'm blessed man
2: when you say nerve-wracking is this something you typically feel for a fight or is this kind of a different situation altogether
6: no 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 no. I, i i i was so nervous for him um in the back, I almost felt like I was going to throw up. I, uh, James kept talking to me, just knows how to talk to me. And for some reason, man, it's just so weird. But whenever I get into the octagon, whenever the lights come on, whenever the camera shows up, this, this person inside me comes out that no one's ever seen before. And if you want to give James Krause an interview and talk to him, just solely on like my gym performance and what he sees in the gym versus what he sees in the octagon. And he'll explain to you there there's two different people that, that compete in there. And, um, and he'll even testify prior to it, how nervous I was. Um, and I have never been like that. It's just, I'm fighting someone like Sam Alvey who I've watched since the the tough series. And I I've trained with him prior before he's helped me out with some, you know, just knowledge in the sport a few years back. So it was just, it had a lot of emotions going into that.
2: Yeah. I actually spoke with James the day before, your first fight of the year and we talked about how you know you've made a a difference in the gym with your personality and how that could translate over how you've been out for so long so we'll have to catch up and kind of get his take on the man that actually enters the octagon and and competes and you mentioned Sam Alvey being a veteran he's a tough tough dog who just gets after it every time of course stepping in for a a teammate is good motivation you had to have liked this matchup to go in there and have some fun plus fighting on ABC this must have been a really big deal for you kind of maybe be making do you think the abc thing kind of you know helped with the nerves as well that maybe it ex- extended it a little bit more no man having the being on national
6: television having being on abc having being the first fight with the new venom gear like that had nothing to do with it the only thing that it was was sam alvey sam alvey is what made me nervous for sam alvey um prior to it it was him like Again, it doesn't matter if you put me on pay-per-view. It doesn't matter if you put me on ESPN Plus, ESPN, or ABC. I'm going to show up. I'm going to make it entertaining because that's who I am. I am an entertainer. I am a fighter. I am the most entertaining fighter you guys uh, you guys see. And it's just I'm going to show up. And I will have nerves eventually again, but it does not matter because the moment I step into that octagon that is my home – that is where I, I live. That is where my heart is. And there's no one that's going to take that place away from me.
2: You were, I guess, patiently aggressive in the fight because your shots had violent intentions behind them. But even when you had him hurt in the first round, like you didn't rush in or do anything crazy. It was, it was still very tactical. And it was both like offensive yet defensive at the same time. Like how important was it to you to exercise that patience in that kind of a fight like you did?
6: If you watch Sam Alvey's fights, man, it was, he's always that person that knows how to fight injured. He knows how to fight tired and he knows how to fight rocked and he's come back multiple times so a lot of people would try to go for the kill and try to attack his head which everyone fights him to the head and if you watch his previous fights with ryan span dunjon um they all try to knock him out they try to wrestle him but no one really hit his body no one really attacked that middle section and that was all I was trying to do is I was trying to get him to think that I was only going to go for the body. I was trying to sit there and, and make him question what I was doing every, every ounce of the moment or every ounce of, or every second of the fight. Like I wanted him to wonder what was coming, where I was going to punch. Was it going low? Was it going high? Um, was I even going to shoot a shot or was it going to throw a punch? Was it going to bring a kick? I wanted him to question and being on the tail end and, uh, that opened up a lot of my striking, and it opened up a lot of the range for me to land these devastating shots and these punches. But when he was injured, I, I knew he wasn't injured because that's what he that's where he lives at. As you watch, I dropped him to his knees in the first round, and he got back up and he still was fighting. And it's like, I'm not gonna sit there and try to give him any ounce of the fight. You know, he wants that brawl. He wants that exchange so he can catch it and I mean at the end of the the round he ended up punching me directly into the eye like his knuckle went into I thought it was his finger at all honesty he hit me and I thought it was his finger and I thought it to myself like my chest got warm and my like leg started hurting like my ankle started hurting I thought I rolled my ankle and I, I thought he poked me in the eye and I was backing up and I thought my ankle it's funny I thought my ankle was broken so I was slamming my foot on the ground to try to see if it would pop it back in place. And uh, and then we had the, like, he had the exchange. He came at me, kicked me in the leg again. I had the uh, the roll. I came underneath, came up, and I slapped him across the face with my knuckles. Um, and that was the end of round one. I walked to the corner, sitting there thinking, uh, looking down at my, um, my ankle, I was like, oh, it's not broken. I was like, but damn, that really hurts. What happened to my ankle? And the whole time... James was talking to me. I was thinking to him, and I wanted to tell him, like, "Hey, man, what happened to my ankle? Something really hurts in my ankle." And then after the fight, my ankle is swollen up. And come to find out, he kicked me right in the ankle. And right whenever I, I got that punch, when he hit me in the eye, like I guess it, it triggered something, and I started feeling it in my ankle.
2: How's the ankle now?
6: It hurts still. It, it still hurts. He kicked, dude. He punched me so hard, my ankle hurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, have you ever heard that before?
2: No.
6: I've never either. I was like, I sat there and I was like, man, like, never been hit that hard. And he hits hard, you know?
2: Have you had it, like, checked out or anything? Is it just like a sprain? Do you know what happened?
6: Yeah, we're going to get everything checked out. My right hand as well and my ankle, we're getting it checked out. Um, sometimes this week, uh, I'm talking to the medical staff at the moment, but, um, you know, I I, I – I don't think anything's wrong with it, but it definitely, my, my ankle is swollen and my foot hurts for sure.
2: So I, I watched the fight on ESPN Plus because I was sitting at my computer working, but one thing that drives me insane about ESPN Plus sometimes, Julian, when we're watching these cards, it goes to commercial in between every round pretty much during these cards. And especially when James Krause is in the corner, I want to hear what this man is saying in these moments between rounds because... I didn't see the Grant Dawson speech until after the fight on social media because I was watching on ESPN plus and we didn't get to see it. So what did James have to say to you between the first and second rounds? Again, he
6: he did exactly what he needed to do. I mean, if you listen and watch the fight, James literally called for everything and I did everything he said. It was like he was playing a video game, he stated. And James in the the round was sitting there like, hey, man, you know, you got to keep that. uh," It was a close round. Um, I don't know if it went to you or to him, but we got to keep this volume up, keep it there. He's tired. He's slowing down. Uh, I need you to keep that front hand popping. Every, Every time you keep that front hand popping, your strikes are landing a lot better. Um, when you stop doing that and you're going in to punch him, you create the brawl and you're staying there to brawl him and you're giving him an opportunity. He's like, quit that. Keep the front hand popping. When you see the strike, hit it and then get out and just keep that going. And, uh, that's pretty much a summary of our minute segment in that round walked off and that was everything played out. I kept the front hand popping in the second round. I saw an opportunity. I took it, I hit it. I saw him back up and he, you know, called for a combination. I hit the sequence. I switched the South and confused Sam in that process, hit him with a, uh, an overhand left or a, a, a hook and dropped him. And then, the rest was history
2: yeah i mean then the choke was there no neck i mean no hooks no nothing you choked him unconscious and i'm not a fighter i won't be fighting on abc ever like you did but can you kind of take us through the finish from your perspective in the cage and why you made the decision to was just the neck was there was just an opening for it yeah so if you watch michael
6: bisbing versus gsp gsp drops michael bisbing and he went down and secured a rear naked choke and everyone was sitting there thinking like oh, you know, keep punching him, you're gonna knock him out. You have the knockout, this, that, and the other. But in my mind, I was sitting there like, no, man, that was actually super intelligent. You knock him down, and then you go for the choke because it's harder for them to defend. They think that you're gonna keep punching them, but yet you secure a safe way to finish the fight and also 100% finish. So in the sense, whenever I was hitting him, I realized these punches, even though they're hard, he was still battling through, and that's Sam Alvey. So when I took his back, I immediately went for the rear naked choke, um, a modify where I could drag him and make him lose his balance, but still have the grip and, and the grab. And uh, that way, instead of having him think that I'm going to punch him and I keep waking him up, I'm just going to put him to sleep by taking his uh, his breath away.
2: There was some criticism of ref- referee Mark Smith after the fight for allowing it to go a little too long perhaps a lot of people thought the fight should have been stopped well before the choke happened I mean in the cage it is your job to go until the referee tells you to stop but I'm sure you've went back and watched it but do you feel like there should the like the criticism was warranted like should the fight have been stopped sooner you think
6: Absolutely not look this is the thing man is that he let he literally let Sam go out on his shield I I dropped Sam. Sam dropped into a double leg, went in there. I kept hitting Sam. I sprawled out. Sam got stretched out. I'm hitting him with rabbit punches. Sam's still pushing me back. He's driving his feet. He's pushing me back. He has one hand on my leg. I'm hitting him. Mark Smith gives him a warning. Sam, I need you to defend yourself. But Sam is still pushing and still going there. Now, Mark, in the angles, if you watch the fight, Mark at the angles didn't see certain things that the camera would see, to where if you saw me throwing the rabbit punches, you're going to see the camera angle over my right shoulder, and Mark is on my left shoulder. And on my left shoulder, you see Sam Alvey with his right arm around my uh, left leg, and he's still driving forward, so it looks like sam's still defending he's still doing his stuff and then when mark runs to the other side of my right shoulder he ends up seeing sam bringing his you know left arm up to my leg again bringing his left arm up to my leg again and i ended up taking his back and then i i got the the submission locked in and it was just perfect you know it didn't look like he was tapping in my in my sense. It looked like he was coming to defend the arms and put try to peel the arms off. But I had it so tight that he ended up, you know, passing out. I think Mark did an exceptional job. If you watch Sam Alvey's fights previously, he has been dropped straight flat to his back. The ref went to stop it. He gets he gets back up. The opponents got on top of him. He fights his way back up. He's still standing, and then they go into uh, a decision into the third round you know into the the next rounds like it was a great decision that was a legit um, way to handle it now everybody else wants to see it in a different way but I I I like the fact that he let Sam try his hardest and get out and go out on his shield because who would have known if I would have kept punching Sam more than likely would have got up and we would have had another round
2: Yeah, I'm glad I got your perspective on that. And it was a great win. And if there's one thing we've learned about you, Julian, is we never know what will happen when there's a live microphone near you. You were asked to make a call-out last time. It was the Miley Cyrus call-out that got so much attention. This time, you call out Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs to a game of pickleball or badminton to crown the pound-for-pound best in Kansas City. What inspired this call-out of yours? Uh, Tyree kill as well. Don't,
6: don't, uh, leave them out. Look, this thing, we're all from Kansas city. We rep our city. We wear our city. We're all athletes. Um, and this is the thing, man, like during the time of my, you know, layoff where I was recovering, these guys gave me a lot of hope and, and showed a lot of heart, um, winning the super bowl, coming back to back to the super bowl. There's a lot of things they did for me that, that, you know, and for the city, that I I want to soon be doing the same to others. I want to have that same inspiration. I want to have that same drive. And the thing is, is that I love pickleball and I want to play against some of like the people I love watching play football. Now I can't play them in football because they are really good at their sport. Very, very good. I mean, like literally the number one across the board in all categories And, uh, you know, I don't want to fight them because I need them for season 2022 and I need another Super Bowl. So, you know, just pickleball is a safe way to play. And I'm really good at it. And I know that they like to play the same thing here in Kansas city. We had this place called chicken and pickle, which is a pickleball court and it has amazing chicken sandwiches. So that's, uh, it's going down 100%. There's a going down. We're in talks, we're figuring out dates and uh, let's go.
2: Yeah, and, and did not take long for these gentlemen to respond. All of them, Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyreek. I mean, look at you. You're getting the attention of all these heavy hitters. It just warmed my heart, Julian. H- how did you react to getting their attention so quickly?
6: Kansas City supports Kansas City and they'll ride with Kansas City. That's the thing. Like, you know, we're the middle of the map, heart of America, get it how you live it. And that's the thing is that I knew that they were going to respond back because we're on the same team. We represent the same city. We walk with KC. We bleed red and bl- uh, red, yellow and blue. Like that's us. So I'm just pumped that they want to play.
2: <laughs> so this is hap- This is definitely happening. I love it. When, it, like, any talks of like when, like a date, how how it's going to go down, like, are we going to be able to watch this this matchup?
6: We're, we're in the process of figuring everything out at this moment. Um, you know, we still, Mahomes is injured, you know, not injured, but he just had surgery. So we have to do that. We're talking with the chiefs. Um, I, I was actually uh, texting um, or messaging Travis Kelsey going back and forth, but joking around, but uh, the chiefs are in there. Kelsey's not even in KC right now. He's doing some stuff. Um So we're going to – it's going to happen again. I'm thinking in a a month, two months maybe, but we're not rushing this. We're going to make it big. We're going to make it worth it for Kansas City. We're going to make it worth it for our city. We're going to build it up. We're going to find the right charity to donate to, and um, the world will be watching again.
2: I was thinking, like – on sunday that you might be onto something here julian like i think ufc fight pass should jump on this kind of thing immediately they could be onto a gold mine. the julian marquez experience where you challenge all of these you know big athletes celebrities to different competitions different sports like people would watch that man like the crossover competition series with the cuban missile crisis like this is this is gold right here we need we need to make this happen
6: I mean, yeah, absolutely, let's go. You know, the thing is, is that it was funny. Everybody called me a clown and an idiot after my last call out. And now everybody's like, well, I think Julian might be on to something. Well, think (laughs) about it. I know what I'm doing, and I I, I know how to market. I know how to promote myself. I do my job, and Dana loves the fact that I do my job. I don't know if he loves the fact, but I do my job better than everybody else. So, like, when I see these fighters that complain about the Venom deal or complain about the Reebok deal, it's like, well, if you look at their social media, they don't have sponsors themselves. So why do you think, like, why would you complain about that? Like, you don't even promote yourself. You don't even promote your fight. I'm over here promoting my fights and promoting everything and also doing the coolest shit like a kid would love to do. Like, when I was a kid, how awesome would it be to, to talk to Miley Cyrus? How awesome would it be to play... You know, pickleball with, you know, football stars that you you watch and you love, like, and it, it's going to keep going. I have a, a lot more things that will come to my head that I don't even know that I haven't even thought of. But uh, when I win, someone's going to get called out. Everyone's going to know, and they're all going to try to wonder what's coming up next. You know, know.
2: <laughs> that's one thing for sure when it comes to you. I have to. Speaking of crossovers, will you be uh, will you be partaking in the big boxing match on Saturday between Ben Askren and Jake Paul?
6: I don't know. Um, I don't know if I'll watch that. In all honesty, uh, I, I support you know Ben Askren. Um, I just don't like. I'm not. It's not something that I'm like going to be like. Oh, I want take up a whole Saturday night for like if I watch UFC fights, if I watch a bunch of stuff, I, I, I want, I like fights, man. And, and that's a, that's a fun fight to watch for sure. But I'm not, if someone has it on and it's there, I'm, I'm going there and watching it. Or other than that, man, I, I'm just going to do my own thing and, and then read about it on Twitter. And now everyone says it and see the highlights. Like, I mean, to be honest, the real winners are Ben Askren and Jake Paul. They're going to get paid. They're gonna go out there, and whoever wins the fight, it really doesn't justify any any means. You know, like if Ben wins, like it just it shuts up everyone that hates Ben, and it shuts up everyone that likes Jake Paul. And if you go vice versa, it's the same thing. Like it doesn't mean like one of them's gonna get a title. They're not. You're fighting. Uh, you're fighting a guy that's retired and that's done MMA, and you're on. An, up-and-coming boxer, like, you have good amateur boxing skills. I wouldn't even say that. It's a stretch. But you're not fighting boxers. You're fighting celebrities. It's a celebrity boxing match, and it's, it's cool. But I like boxing fights, you know. I like real fighting. I like these guys that, you know, have put hours and hours and countless hours and competed against ridiculous, you know, ridiculous competition where you're just like, holy shit, like like I would love, I'd rather go watch Crawford fight I'd pay, I'd pay $200 a pay-per-view to watch Crawford fight again E-roll Spence, let's put if we could see Crawford and E-roll Spence I'd spend $300 on a pay-per-view and I I, I just don't want to pay 20 bucks or however much it is to see Ben and him fight, I support Ben I like Ben and I hope Ben wins
2: yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot more than 20 bucks, but there you go. Your your Saturday night is 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 filled with other things. Uh, as, as far as you go, two and zero start this year after the long layoff. It's been a another hellacious start for the Glory MMA squad this year. James Kraus getting that early nom for Coach of the Year. Or obviously, you got some some things you're gonna get looked at medically. But if all is clear and all is well and clean bill of health, you want to keep this train rolling as as soon as possible.
6: Yeah, July, September, um, right around there, uh, July, September, between July and September, I should say, uh, would probably be the next time you'll see me in the octagon, uh, you know, probably more towards September. Again, I cut weight four times, six months. My body is feeling it. Um, My body hurts, you know, like, I don't know what I hit Sam with this weekend, but my hand does not feel too great uh my my foot and ankle as i stated at the beginning it does not feel good um i can walk on it it's not bad but i I just i want to make sure that this keeps going and the last thing i want to do is step into another fight and get injured when i knew my body is 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 hurting you know i did that with the alessio fight i stepped in there and i felt something was off And I I missed weight and then I stepped in the fight and I ripped my lat off the bone to severe surgery and it put me out for 31 months. So when it comes down to it, I know you guys need the entertainment of Julia Marquez. I know you need that that person on the car to to steal the show yet again and get all these views. But I got to do what's best for me to make sure that we keep going. And it's not like, come on, it's not like, you know, September's that long away. Like, you guys can wait. And the moment you guys see my name on the uh, headlines, you all are going to freak out, probably be a co-main event spot, probably be against another fighter that everyone's going to be excited about, and the entertainment's on, and you guys are going to literally tune in and enjoy every bit of it.
2: Um, One last thing before we let you go, now that I'm not frozen anymore. You were obviously quite active on social media on Sunday, responding to everybody. You responded to me because... Not only did I react to the performance, but I also reacted to the Venom shorts that you wore that got to show off a lot of your lower body. You, you were looking handsome as ever. I thought Miley would be picking up that phone immediately to, to give you a call, man, the way you were looking in there. But, you know, you were very active for sure. So I'm curious, like, what, what is that day like for you going through these tweets after the fight? Like the mentions, so to speak, because I assume most people were, were very complimentary. Some may not have been. Like, what is that like for you? Man,
6: uh, it's kind of wild, you know. Like, it's so hard to see all of that, and I try not to be on there that long because of just the. There's just so much to read. Um, I I didn't even know I responded to you. Like that's how, (laughs) that is literally how many times I was responding. But like, you know, there are people that congratulated me. I, I, you know, I liked their stuff. I, I talked to him. I responded back, but like. At the same time, you know, there was people that I saw on there, like I'll even go into it. I had a a thing with James Lynch, but Bloody Elbow, like Bloody Elbow is just always writing negative reports about me. And it's almost like it's almost just like, dude, you guys aren't reporters. You you made a statement based upon zero facts. It was all an arrogant post, and I called them out on it. And yet I said I called them out and I said, hey, I'm not going to ever do an interview with Bloody Elbow based off of this. The person that stated it was like, oh, that's a little extreme, but I'm not going to argue. It's like, no, there's no need for you to not argue. There's no argument. You literally post negative stuff about me and you don't support me, so why should I support you type of deal. So, you know, it's one of those things like I'll respond to you whether you say something positive or negative. But you do have to know that I'll call you out for, you know, being, being rude and being just arrogant with no factual base behind it. Like a lot of people that call me cringe. Okay, call me cringe. Hate what you want, but at the end of the day, like, why are you upset that I just did what exactly you wish you could have done, and call out the Chiefs players and, and set up a pickleball tournament? Why is it that you guys? I have so much hate in your heart that you get on the internet to say something negative rather than say something positive. Like, it sucks to see that. But it's so cool to see all the people that responded and all the positive stuff, especially the shorts. That's what you said. The the smallest shorts, of <laughs> Venom gear. That's what it was. I remember it now. <laughs> yes, I remember it. It's true. I get my shorts cut, by the way, like that. I asked to get them cut it was amazing yeah i i just want people to see that i have beautiful legs and a magnificent (laughs) beard and just a great butt that's it i just want people to see that
2: fair enough but listen all in all no matter what people say julian you got two checks three checks actually with the 50 g's so that's a pretty pretty damn good day at the office no matter what anybody's saying on social media so congratulations Julian. well done all around from the fight to the call out i appreciate the time as always enjoy the victory we'll talk soon and hopefully we see you doing some uh, some pickleball at the chiefs sooner rather than later
6: let's go all right bubba thank you so much i appreciate you and uh put me on your show i, I love it
2: absolutely man thank you
6: you're listening to the vox media podcast network